Hey, what's going on? This is the Saturday Down South podcast. I am Connor O'Gara. Will, I'm not going to overreact to the preseason AP poll, but if I were, this mm-hmm. is what I would say. I, I'd have a few points. I'd probably point out that AM at number six is overrated. You knew that I was going to come in with that take. I've been talking in the offseason about they're going to be the most overrated team in the country coming into the season. Them and USC, who sneaks <laughs> into the top 15 somehow, some way, despite the fact that they're coming off of a four win season. I get it. They added everybody and their mother via the transfer portal. They added Lincoln Riley. I was awake this offseason. I saw that still, still four win team that um, struggled mightily last year and has major questions to answer on the, answer on the defensive side of the ball. Well, that's I, a good note. I'm just going to refer to them as former four-win team going forward because I assumed mentally they at least got the five or six. No, no, that is a four-win team we're making this high. Yeah, there are very few programs who could win four games and then start off ranked inside the top 15 the following season, which even mm-hmm. just saying that out loud makes me angry because not everybody has to deal with that same sort of hurdle. And for those who say rankings don't matter, these are stupid. Again, like, you know, I'm not actually mad. If I were to be mad, these are the things that I'd be saying. But for those who say rankings don't matter, rankings sell tickets, rankings make your path easier to be able to finish it's going to a New Year's Six Bowl or having the season that you were hope, hoping to have. And so from that perspective, I, I do think that they do carry some sort of significance and they set expectations. And I will say really quick too, Matt Brown made a point last week when the coaches poll was all over the place. He was like, the AP poll matters now more than ever because um, of the new video game deal coming up with EA. Great point. And Great apparently, point. apparently you're standing in the AP poll yes. actually factors into that deal. So it's the AP poll is no longer a joke for these schools. Yes, it, it matters. Maybe not to the level that it did during the BCS days, but right. this is still a, a pretty significant poll. And I was upset for a guy who's not getting upset about preseason rankings. Mm-hmm. I was still a little bit a little bit miffed that Arkansas started off at number 19 behind USC, which doesn't really feel right considering all the things that we love about the Hawks coming into this year and the fact that they returned KJ Jefferson, a lot of that offensive production and a defense that made a big step forward last year. So yeah, there were things that, that upset me not ranking Tennessee in the top 25. It feels weird to be sipping that much orange Kool-Aid where I, I typically have found myself in the camp of don't crown Tennessee until it's earned it. But then I kind of mm-hmm. realized, well, they're, yeah, they're coming off of a seven, five season, but I at least know who Tennessee is. They're a coach that hasn't uh, had a top four off or a top 10 offense each of the last four seasons. They return Hendon hooker. You return all this offensive production. They were, di- they can be a disaster defensively and still be one of the 25 best teams in college football. They were a bad call away from twice as many wins as USC. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> just want to phrase it that way. <laughs> good point. Good point. Great point. Well, and you know, I again not upset, but an upset guy would point out that Notre Dame at number five in a preseason poll, despite the fact that they have a new coach, despite the fact that they're two and twenty-one against AP top five teams since nineteen ninety-nine, and fourteen of those twenty-one losses were by three scores or more. I'd probably point those things out, but I'm not going to do that. I'm instead just going to say, you know what. Take it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Let the upset person point out that Clemson at number four is just kind of a default choice because once you actually have to fill out these rankings, you realize how thin it gets after that top three. And it's oh, really yeah. difficult to justify ranking the team at number four, which is why I just kind of went with Utah because obviously, you know, I'm high in the Utes, but Clemson at four is just like, wow. So we're just going to pretend that 2021 didn't happen. We're just going to assume that DJ Uyungle is in for a bounce back year. And maybe this year he'll finish in the top 100 in the country in quarterback rating probably not thoughts and prayers hopefully he can get there we're believing in him 
We're believing in DJ, not so much. If you missed it, <laughs> the six SEC teams ranked in the AP poll, Bama at number one, buried the lead on that one, uh, Georgia at number three, A&M at number six, Arkansas at number 19, Kentucky number 20, first time since 1978, Jimmy Carter administration. Shout Kentucky. out Jimmy Carter. Yes, Kentucky is a preseason AP top 25 team. And then Ole Miss at number 21. 12 of 14 SEC teams received multiple votes. So mm-hmm. six were in the receiving votes category. That means Mizzou and Vanny were the only SEC teams that didn't receive multiple votes in the AP poll. That's pretty telling. Pretty telling that the SEC, once again, has the conference supremacy argument in its favor. Six teams in the AP poll more than any other conference. Do we need to talk a whole lot about Bama? Because the only takeaway that I had from the number one team in the country was that they weren't unanimously number one. I debated that kind of throughout the offseason. They're going to become the second unanimous number one in a unanimous preseason number one in AP poll history. Was that going to happen? It didn't. Ohio State gets six votes. They come in at number two. Georgia gets three first place votes. They come in at number three. Texas did not get a first place vote in the AP poll. Didn't even show up in the preseason top 25 in the AP, which is crazy. I didn't think we're proud. We're proud of these voters for that reason, by the way. Uh, Coaches, not so much. Coaches, not so much. Coaches, I don't know what you were looking at. I don't know if you got your UTs mixed up. It happens to the best of us. That sentence feels weird to say out loud, but I didn't have any massive, massive grievances with the AP poll other than those as a guy who wasn't really upset. Anything else that we need to hit on before we get to a very, very loaded pod today? Yeah, I mean, I feel like Arkansas is criminally underrated. Um, from my standpoint, from my standpoint, I feel like I've been watching not only the, the committee, but also the BCS and kind of the weird system before that my whole life. So my expectation is literally the floor, especially for preseason lists. Um, so this one actually was pretty good. There's not a ton that I'm like angry about, especially because LSU is unranked. I was expecting it. Usually I view it through the context of, you know, my team is underrated, but this I agree with y'all. Anyway, so point first being, time since 2000, by the way, that LSU is not ranked in the preseason AP top 25. Yes. And like I said, they haven't really done much to, um, to deserve that. Now, if we use that same lens for a couple of other teams, don't get me started on that. Anyway. So point being, yeah, I think it's kind of weird that Arkansas and Ole Miss have been kind of grouped together. Um, Ole Miss obviously lost um, their starting quarterback, Matt Crowell, which is a really big deal for them. So I understand people being a little bit skeptical of Ole Miss. They lost to Connor. Like there's a couple of guys here and there with Ole Miss. You're like, okay, Arkansas, all they lost really was Traylon and Traylon was awesome. We were both huge Traylonburg supporters like on this podcast. I get it, but they're bringing back so many guys, including KJ, including both offensive or both coordinators on both sides of the ball that I just feel like what else were they supposed to do last year? You know, they beat Texas who everybody has been high on this off season for whatever reason they brought in, they brought, they beat A&M who again, same deal. They're all the way up at six. And it's like, they had the same season as A&M, but beat them obviously no one against Bama, but it's like, I don't understand how Arkansas is so far down given their body of work at this point. Um, it's just weird. They're an SEC team. I don't know why they don't get that. And Arkansas was better in the transfer portal than A&M because yep. That was, that was something that Arkansas knew was going to have to do, address some key areas of need, I, I thought. And AM was going to go heavy, obviously, on this historic 2022 class. And Arkansas, you could, you could make the argument, okay, you lost your best player on each side of the ball. If there's a 
a, a pushback on that. It's, well, you were four and four in SEC play and you lost your best player on each side of the ball. Again, I think Arkansas is underrated. I think Arkansas, I had Arkansas in my preseason top 25, top 25 week on SaturdayDownSouth.com wrapped up last week, but we still have a lot. All the all that content is obviously up and probably on our homepage still as we speak. So go check that out. But I had Arkansas ranked ahead of AM in my preseason top 25. Mm-hmm. So I'm a believer that they should be getting the benefit of the doubt more so than an AM team, which I mean, I, I, I am blown away that more people aren't asking questions about what they're going to do in terms of defensive line when they actually face all these stud offensive lines in the SEC West. I still don't know exactly what the quarterback situation is going to look like. And if all of a sudden AM is going to have this elite offense that we think is capable of. And I think more, more people than not are overlooking their number three defense losing mm-hmm. a just a ton of production, including Mike Elko from that group. Again, these are things that we've been talking about throughout the offseason. So I don't want to beat them into the ground too, too much here. But take the preseason poll for what it is. We figure these things out. It matters, in my opinion, but it'll probably look very, very different a month into the season. That's the way this generally lines up. And I think hopefully people are realizing how big of a gap there is between the top three and the rest of college football. And mm-hmm. we can continue to talk about why that's noteworthy and why that's something that probably needs to be addressed, whether or not it's for the good of the sport. If you're on the outside looking in, you're going to say no. And if you're one of those three teams, that being Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, you're like, no, this is fine. We don't need to change anything. This is totally cool. Talent acquisition. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Okay. I will say really quick, looking at this list, I see the vision on the Utah thing because it feels like, you know, you go through it, you know, one, one, two, three, right? Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. It's like Clemson. Well, they have an obvious, like you see all the questions with Clemson. You're absolutely right about that. Notre Dame, once again, the hardest Notre Dame schedule I've ever seen. New head coach, not in love with that. New starting quarterback, and, too. That's, that's yeah. the other thing. I'm like, new head coach, new starting quarterback for a team that that hasn't necessarily – again, like I give Brian Kelly credit five consecutive seasons with double-digit wins, but at the same time, it's like we're saying that they're better than all of these teams no matter what coming into the year. To me, that's right. just a little bit of a head scratch. Yeah, like what is there to like other than like their like marketing department videos at this point? Like not even being mean, but it's like they have some talent there, but they also lost that's really talent. Good. The hangover <laughs> Video is awesome. <laughs> it is. I agree, but like it's just kind of hype. It's it feels yeah. like it's 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 like I said. Marcus Freeman is getting in kind of that hope merchant territory to me because if you expect them to be the fifth best team in college football, it's not going to go well. But that's how it went under Brian Kelly too. They're overrated most years, so I'm not saying that's new. Anyway, um, Texas A&M, same thing. We talked about that. It's just again not a lot to like. What do you what do you what are you holding on to with A&M? You know, um, so now you look at Utah. It's like. Okay, now, right. now we're talking. Right. You know what I'm saying? Even Michigan lost Gaddis, Oklahoma. Totally new staff there. Okay, but we could maybe talk about Baylor, but what really, what's really what's the ceiling of Baylor? So you start, like, I I think there will be a surprise fourth team, but in terms of these teams that we're looking at right here, Utah, I mean, Oregon's probably going to get curb stomped by Georgia, we would think. So that's the thing. Like, you kind of look up and down this, you can get to 10 or 12 where you're really like, I can tell you, you can sell me this team as number four, and I'd be like, yes, I see it, no questions, you know? It was messy. It, it is really messy to, to figure this thing out. And with the way that the transfer portal is set up, you just don't know how some of these how some of these programs that have really relied on it in the offseason and how mm-hmm. that is going to be able to to benefit them or to hurt them. And so I think that's why a lot of these questions exist. And it's the point that we're going to continue to just continue to remind people there are going to be some really bad takes about first year head coaches and all these programs that have mm-hmm. question marks there all over the board teams that were used to just kind of slipping right in there in that four to 10 range that are 
dealing with new coaches and a lot of personnel turnover and they have they have questions to be able to answer mm-hmm. okay loaded show loaded loaded show van lathan coming up uh if you don't know who van lathan is um or, or you're not necessarily familiar with his work uh does great work for the ringer die hard lsu fan with some mm-hmm. unbelievable stories that you're going to want to stick around for a uh, little disclaimer before that interview that i'll get to a little bit later as well uh i'm going to touch on the miles brennan stuff uh him retiring stepping away from football after the interview and then we're going to talk about your saturday setup in figuring out but before we do that the original plan today was uh contrary to what uh kentucky kentucky athletic director mitch barnhart said um i actually as a media member had a lot to talk about today but (laughs) decided i didn't want to do crystal ball today because I wanted to talk about all this Kentucky stuff that we briefly were able to hit on the other day, but it kind of dropped just before we had we we came on to be able to record. And we saw the press conference over the weekend with some very noteworthy comments that came from Mitch Barnhart, that came from Mark Stoops. Um, in case you don't know what I'm talking about, you need a little bit of a refresher. You haven't necessarily been been dialed into all things Kentucky. But I, I, I promise this has significance for the rest of Power 5 Athletics and the way that these dynamics are set up now. Um, Cal, Cal said in this story in The Athletic that Kentucky was a basketball school while Georgia and, and Alabama were football schools, which prompted Mark Stoops to fire off several tweets in response to that. Mm-hmm. And look, if, if you're... If you're Mitch Barnhart and saying saying that the media just kind of created this entire thing, I guess it's a good thing that he's a Power Five athletic director and he's not running a college sports website because if he was, he wouldn't have any idea what news actually is. But that's beside the point. This is a an issue of three people who feel like they have power and feel like they should be able to have a say in big important decisions and do not want to be pushed around. If you take away nothing from this, that's the biggest thing that you need to remember with this. And three people who have coexisted for a longer time than most do in their roles are now at a bit of a crossroads with how they're going to move forward. So we had this press conference over the weekend, and there were a lot of takeaways from this. John Calipari took to Twitter to uh, fire off some tweets, actually admitted that he messed up by comparing athletic departments, said that he had tried to reach out to Stoops. He was going to keep trying to reach out to Stoops. I would <laughs> love to be on the receiving end of those calls just to be able to see Stoops's reaction and see how quickly he hit that red button. Nope. Don't want to talk to him today. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet he did. Uh, let me back up for a second, because if you don't live on the Internet, and it, <laughs> I feel sorry for it. Actually, no, I don't. I envy you. <laughs> yes. I, tip of the cap. Sometimes I'm jealous of my brother when he talks about not seeing everything that plays out on, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, the quote that got Stoops fired up in this story about for the athletic, the story about Cal demanding that he that the school funds a new practice facility for the basketball program. This quote was. And the reason is, this is a basketball school. It's always been that. Alabama's a football school. Georgia's a football school. No disrespect to our football program. I hope they win 10 games and go to bowls. At the end of the day, that makes my job easier and it makes the job of all of us easier. But this is a basketball school. And so we need to keep moving in that direction and keep doing what we're doing. Close quote. A lot to unpack there. Timing is everything in life. It really is. If this story was written seven, eight years ago, non-story 
never sees the light of day. No issue with it whatsoever. Right. If you haven't been following Kentucky athletics, it would be really easy to look at this laugh and go, wow, Mark Stoops kind of lacks some self-awareness on this one. When in reality, it's Cal who totally lacks self-awareness in this whole mess, which is what it became when you've got other athletic departments like Auburn and Arkansas all dunking on Kentucky for this in-house fighting that's happening. Mm-hmm. Cal wants Mitch Barnhart to fund a new basketball practice facility that's on par with what Kansas just got. And Mitch, which we found out in this press conference once again, is like, no, we're, we're not willing to do that yet. Kansas just won a national title. Kentucky just lost to St. Peter's and came up short of the final four for the sixth consecutive year. Emphasis on St. Peter's. Clearly. A place uh, that we honestly had that did not know existed before a couple of months ago. Let's be real here. Yes. If you gave me a chance to guess what state it was in, I maybe, maybe I could have gotten in 25. I don't know. Just playing my odds. Probably not even the, the notion that facilities are holding Kentucky back is kind of an absurd thing to think about when you talk about the way that Cal has been able to acquire talents and it's, it's frustrating to Kentucky fans to, to listen to Cal vent about the, this facilities issue when he's the one who hasn't adapted well enough to the way that the game has changed with outside shooting, building an offense that, maxis, that maximizes that, all those things. So the, the basketball facility that they have, the practice facility, it was there three years before Cal got to Kentucky. And the building had a leak a couple, a couple of times. That's what Cal is all upset about. Mm-hmm. Not really, but he just wants a new toy. Right. Meanwhile, Stoops got the new indoor practice facility. Finally got that. That was long overdue. It was part of the, you know, the, the negotiations with the new contract that we found out about. Cal said in the athletic story that, quote, our football facility, we spent $200 million. I don't know where in the world Cal got that number from, but it's total BS. I was talking to my guy, Nick Roush, about this, KSR, shout out KSR. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, in the 10 years Stoops has been at Kentucky, they've spent a total of like $150 million. And that's on Kroger Field renovations, the training right. center, everything. So Cal is so out of touch with reality that he's not even using real numbers to try and make his point of why he needs to be able to get this and why we've spent X amount of dollars on the football program. Stoops, meanwhile, needed to needed to take Kentucky from the worst program in the SEC when he arrived. Remember, even Vandy was on the up and up when he arrived yep. there. And he had a massive massive basketball shadow. One of the biggest, one of the two or three biggest in the country easily. And he needed nine years to finally get Mitch Barnhart to agree to the new indoor practice facility, which is going to be on par with the rest of the SEC. Mm-hmm. By the way, Mark Stoops, he's one win away from tying Bear Bryant for the most wins ever at Kentucky. Okay. Jeez. Shout out Stoops, man. He made the comment in the press conference. His most noteworthy comment on Saturday was this. He said, quote, this program wasn't born on third base. Some (laughs) may, but I can promise you the football team didn't wake up on third base. I did a lot of work. We did a lot of work, close quote. It's actually pretty similar to the Jim Harbaugh, Ryan Day thing that happened this past (laughs) year. Interesting that he chose the third base comp, but you get what he's saying. I'm going to tell you exactly why Stoops has every right to be seething that Cal would choose his words so poorly. Mm -hmm. If you don't think it matters whether you're a football school or a basketball school, remember, this isn't just about media perception and how we interpret these words and what we get to talk about after these coaches say these things. This is all about recruiting. 
This is all about walking into a recruit's home and not fighting the perception that you're not the big ticket in town because right. you don't elevate your, your talent level unless recruits feel like they're the big ticket in town. I remember talking to Chris Rodriguez about this. Small town Georgia guy. He was getting lightly recruited in high school, mostly group of five programs. You know, Georgia, LSU, Florida, they, they're not looking at him. And then Matt House, then defensive coordinator at Kentucky, now defensive coordinator at LSU. Matt House um, respecter. Yes, we are big time madhouse respecters. Comes to comes to Ola to, to see one of C Rod's teammates who uh, was a lineman that ended up at Georgia Tech. And House is just blown away watching C Rod. And so he chats him up after practice and he goes, Hey man, what do we got to do to get you up to Kentucky to be able to check out the campus? And C Rod, even in this state where he's being lightly recruited, he's not getting the offers that he really feels like he's worthy of, he says, Isn't Kentucky a basketball school? Oof. Do you know how many times Stoops has probably heard that even though he's in the midst of the program's best four-year stretch since Bear Bryant, he owns two winning seasons in SEC play, which hasn't been accomplished since when? Jimmy Carter? Yes, of course. You wow. knew that was going to get You're, you're painting this to Jimmy Carter world. It's a very interesting time, if nothing else. <laughs> Please do not drink every single time you hear a Jimmy Carter reference on this podcast. You will be plastered. Your liver does demand that. You will never have any prayer of even sniffing Alabama or Georgia levels of talent. If everyone thinks you're second fiddle on your own campus and even your own basketball coach is saying that. Okay. So yeah, Stoops, the Youngstown guy, the guy that I've watched get pissed off and turn a different shade of red when I'm talking to him about his program's disrespect at SEC media days. And I'm, I'm watching him just get more and more amped up as I kind of keep on like, Hey, this, this team, this publication said you weren't good enough. Or, you know, what, what does it, what does it mean that even after 2018 that you weren't getting getting this kind of love. Like I've watched him get that frustrated in those moments, talking to little old me who like, who cares, but he takes that disrespect so seriously. And look, you could say that him firing off some tweets was childish. He should have confronted Cal. He should have had a conversation with a man to man. No, 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 not in this sense. Cal's comments were already out there. They were already out there on social media. If Stoops had a private conversation with Cal, that's never going to see the light of day. And the football program just takes the L because the basketball coach is demanding a new facility and trying to take down everyone in it, in his way to be able to get it. By the way, Cal's not, he's not getting it unless all those NBA players that he spent eight months with, they pay for it. That's the way that this is all going to happen. Then yeah. At least that's what it seems like at this point, based on the comments that we've heard over the weekend once again. As weird as that sounds, they very much could. Tyron Matthew did something like that at LSU. Like they have yeah. lots of money. <laughs> like it's go, not, yeah. Go get go get that private funding. Do do it. That's fine. If if they're if they're telling you we're we're not gonna we're not gonna cut a check this big, then all right, fine. Do do it yourself. That's the way that this kind of works. Stoops had to stand up for himself and not take that L. He really did. That man has worked way, way too hard to have somebody use an outdated argument against him. Can you imagine the fit that Cal would throw if Stoops claimed after a big win? Kentucky's a football school now. Rank us in the top 10. UNC, Duke, those are basketball schools. We're a football school. Mm -hmm. The problem is that Cal is so wrapped up in his little world that he has no perspective. And now the divide between he and Mitch Barnhart went from the worst kept secret in Kentucky to the most obvious rift currently between an AD and a big revenue coach. And the question moving forward now is how these three, who have all coexisted and supported each other for the last decade, will step into this new world wherein money and tension has never been higher. 
I saw it thrown out there that Stoops would would look at this situation and the way that this is developed heading into year 10 and say, man, I'm just always going to be in this situation here in Kentucky. Maybe I should just go elsewhere where football really is king and nobody can ever say that about me. I wouldn't definitively rule that out, even though I know Stoops was born with a chip on his shoulder and him going to a place where everything is handed to him would probably make him look like a fish out of water. That's just not him. Don't get it twisted, Kentucky fans. I am not about to say that Stoops is going to Florida State. I still find it funny that Florida State called me after I went on the Chuck Oliver show, shout out Chuck Oliver, and said that Stoops turned down Florida State. They called me and (laughs) said, "Um, hey, Stoops was never offered that job. I'm like, sure. I I bet you totally wanted Mike Norvell over Mark Stoops. Good for Florida State for trying to squash the notion that one of the top 10 to 15 coaches in America turned down an opportunity to go there. Hashtag do something. Real ones know. (laughs) No, yeah. Shout out the MLK graphic. That, that you know, we can make fun of Jimbo all day, but losing him has set that program backward like a hundred years. <laughs> Buddy, they're not winning the breakup, and they're not even trying. Mm-hmm. But I bring this up because, in some ways, it is a bit of a cautionary tale for big revenue Power Five programs. Arkansas and Auburn fans might have had a good laugh at Kentucky's expense. They bragged about being an everything school with football, basketball coaches who get along. Totally get it. Stoops and Cal, I mean, they, they generally get along. They, they do the bluegrass tour across the state with each other, but it is so rare to coexist with each other for a long time. Think about the Power Five schools with coaches and an athletic director who have been together as long as Kentucky. I tried to just find two Power Five head coaches, men's basketball and football, of course, who have been together for 10 years. Utah had that up until their basketball coach got fired, but their AD got there in 2018, so can't really count that. Right. Northwestern is a year away from uh, is a year away from that with Chris Collins and Pat Fitzgerald, but Jim Phillips, their longtime athletic director, to go run the ACC into the ground. Um, <laughs> Clemson actually has that now with Dabo and, and Brad Brownwell, but their AD just took the Miami job. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame had that for 12 years up until this past fall, and. Brian Kelly left for LSU to go win national championships. Hate that for them. (laughs) So now like you're seeing programs that are feeling like, Hey, we're in everything school, Arkansas and Auburn, you know, that they're feeling, they're feeling great. And they're going to have a little bit of fun with Kentucky. I get it. They, they got started with this thing in the 2020s. Okay. To be Mm -hmm. determined about how Brian Harson reacts to being paid less than a basketball coach. We'll wait and see. He's not exactly going to the negotiation tables with leverage right now. <laughs> They're like, brother, we're about to take your parking pass. I don't know what you're talking about. A hold out. <laughs> we'll see. I think Musselman and Pittman are going to coexist in, with Hunter Yurchak and be just mm. fine. But we'll, we'll see how Musselman feels about making less than Sam Pittman if he makes a third consecutive Elite Eight, which is extremely difficult to do. It is rare to see the Michigan States of the world with Izzo and D'Antonio and Mark Hollis. They lasted for 10 years. Stoops. And that that ended in a flaming pile, the, the D'Antonio thing. That was the picture of stability, but I remember when that ended, it was like, oh. It was bad. It was really yeah. bad. Stoops, Cal, Barnhart, they're coming up on the 10-year mark this November. And this is clearly the most friction that there's been at any time. Talk to people around the program. They're like, man, crazy, crazy times. And I don't really know what all could have been done to avoid that. Okay, and, and I know the the media relations staff there at Kentucky very well, and they're probably mm-hmm. working their tails off, and it, it gets kind of spun into like, oh, this is a PR disaster. And it's like, I, I don't know that that Tony Neely could have told Mark Stoops, don't hit send on that tweet. In that moment, you're fired up. 
And he fired off about four or five tweets in response to that. And <laughs> cool I would, tweet. He just like me for real. I've never, I've never <laughs> respected Mark Stoops more. As much as I respect Mark Stoops, him getting someone saying something about him, him tweeting for the first time in like several months and just being like, Oh, I heard somebody was talking about me. Let me start quote tweeting random fans. I remember when, uh, when our neighbor Terry Wilson got blasted, that, that, that thing that got randomly tweeted out by the SEC network account, which was definitely some sort of hack burner situation or somebody that didn't think they were tweeting it out from the SEC network account tweeted this video of like Terry Wilson getting sacked over and over again. And Stoops was pissed about that. I mean, mm-hmm. really pissed and shared his frustration on social media. Maybe we should have seen all this coming um, based on how the last five years have gone with a program that's been on the rise and the blue blood that's kind of pissing off fans more and more with each underachieving team. Stoops has a higher approval rating in Lexington than Cal, and it's not oh, yeah. close. Not particular, and that's probably why Cal feels this way. By the way, he's trying to do like good a, point. Oh, I'm Big Brother. It's like, pro- buddy, are you? <laughs> you yeah. want to? Let's talk about it. Yeah, sure. I don't know if that and coming off of the embarrassing loss in the NCAA tournament, of course, that's going to skew things. I don't know if it would have been that much different if Cal had lost in Sweet 16 or even in the Elite Eight this year instead of puking on his shoes the way that he did. Mm. And by the way. If you don't think that Stoops was taking a dig at Cal with his four straight postseason wins hashtag, you weren't paying attention. Okay. Maybe a little bit of low hanging fruit because obviously, if you're in the NCAA tournament, your season's usually going to end with a loss. That's the way this thing ends up. That was a dig. That was definitely a dig. Cal could have made his case for a new facility, which that's important. Okay, we talked about that with Jimbo. Didn't didn't get that at Florida State. Felt like Florida State was falling behind. Big deal. Florida's new facilities went up this weekend. Huge deal for that program. We talked about what that could do in terms of making you a top three, a top five job in the country. These things matter. I'm not saying that they don't, but it's just a little bit different when Kentucky has the facilities it currently has. And it's talking about how much it's falling behind and how much Cal has been very vocal about this frustration, even though it, it, it probably would have been met with an eye roll considering Rupp got this you know massive new renovation finished before the start of last season. It didn't have to come at the expense of the football program. Timing mm-hmm. is everything in life. Say it all the time. We're going to say it a lot more on this podcast. Mark Stoops spent a decade busting his tail so that he could have the right to fight back against comments like these. And he knew that when he took this job. Any of us can relate to the feeling of working extremely hard on something for a long period of time, only to have somebody close to you devalue it. Even I have moments sometimes working for our company where I have this internal debate when an issue comes up where I'm like, look, I feel strongly about this. Do I say something? Do I not? And I'll go, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to rock the boat because ultimately I'm just somebody who was raised in the Midwest household. You know, I don't really like confrontation, speaking out or anything like that. But then all of the other side of me that will say, you know what? Other than my bosses who had stake in our company before we were bought by XL Media last year, I've been here longer than anybody. I was the one mm-hmm. who moved my entire life across the country. I, I was the one who wore, wore several different hats for us. And by the way, we have a lot of great Saturday Down South, uh, Saturday football employees who do that for us as well. But I'm just saying, I was the one who busted my tail in every single role that I had. And so, yeah, I'm going to step up and I'm going to say something when I feel compelled to. There's no doubt in my mind that before Stoops hit send on those tweets last week, he had this debate about how he should communicate this frustration, right? Mm-hmm. Say what you want, but the guy forced us to have a conversation about how far his program has come and that it doesn't take disrespect from anyone. Will, any other thoughts on that? I'm going to call you Connor Calipari from now on. <laughs> <laughs>
Please uh, don't. <laughs> okay. So I have like a couple of thoughts on this. First off, is it disrespectful to call the three of them a thruple? Yes. Okay, we will not do that. Just want to work out that. that idea. This okay, is already. Just, I, I'm going to have a disclaimer for the Van Lathan interview. We don't need to, <laughs> to explain what that is. It's just. It feels like they've been, you know, living together under this. Maybe they're like roommates. It's Trio. Good. Good. Good for them for keeping this together as long as they have. That's my overall point. But I'll say this. Um, I've talked about this briefly before. It's never really had to come up. But our our uh, family friends growing up, like my best friends in high school, all the way through, are huge Kentucky fans. Like they both met at Kentucky and everything. And I grew up. That's why I'm like a you know, backup. People hate it when I say this, but I love Kentucky basketball because I grew up in their house watching it. And I remember that back in the day, like their message boards would go back and forth about, you know, the lack of support to the football team. This is probably even before um, Stoops got there. And I remember there was this whole thing about them fighting about getting uh, Drew Barker or Andrew Wiggins. And there was like a, a poll of their thing. And they were just like, which one would you rather have? Da, 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 da. Because the football fans felt so disrespected by the big shadow that basketball cast. Well, and that was obviously around the time that Cal was, you know, the team in college basketball with Cat uh, and all those guys. That being said, if you're Mark Stoops, I totally understand, you know, where, where you're coming from. And the fact that, like you said, you've built up this whole brand, all this different stuff, and now it's being used against you. Um, how about that Mark Stoops interview? So many great quotes out of that. Um, I, I don't care about I anyone's program. I don't care about anyone's program other than the ones we compete against. Just apex program guy that Mark Stoops. But all of this comes back to a couple of things that I think are changing in the, the landscape of the world, right? We grew up with these coaches, you know, um, Aheim, Coach K, um, all these guys that were these fixtures that were more or less gods in these college towns, right? And Calipari used to be that. So I know you still is in a, in a different context, though. But to an extent, a couple of things have changed around him. Now, number one, his success hasn't been what it used to be. We talked about having that really tough season a couple of years ago and then following up with a good season, but that you finished with that St. Peter's loss. The other part of this is that these TV meteorites things are coming up. And as much as people want to not talk about that, okay, Kentucky, first off, Kentucky's in a great position because they're great at both. That's great. But when you talk about the way that, you know, Kansas is where it's like, hey, buddy, like nobody cares you just won a basketball championship when it comes to like media rights. They just don't because their football isn't making money. Okay. All this different stuff. So we grew up in this environment where these coaches were shut off partially because of a lack of media attention. You you're disagree. saying real quick, you're saying nobody cares uh, in terms of the realignment argument. Like right. it's not like, oh, Kansas just won a basketball championship. Therefore, this is why the Big Ten needs to get them just to clean that up. Right. Yeah. No one is like lining up to try to bid on Kansas because right. their basketball team is the best in the country. Football right rules everything. Football rules everything. And so and also some of this zardom that we've seen from these college basketball coaches in the past was based around a lack of media coverage, I think, and therefore accountability. So if you were the guy that wanted to ask the hard question, you know, to one of these coaches, and I'm sure you probably were that guy a couple of times in Indiana, you know what I'm saying? That it's like, you don't ask the coach in basketball the hard question, the way that these guys even get asked in football. I think that there, there are these little towns that are set up in a way. Do you disagree? I was going to say, you asked Tom Crean the hard question, and then he interrupts you mid-sentence and then just totally shuts you out. Yeah, 100%. And there are guys like that in football. I'm not saying there aren't guys like that. But more or less, being a, a football coach, especially now, is a little bit of media training, a little bit of give and take because they understand that. Whereas basketball coaches, in a way, are still stuck in that the old days where it's like, 
I get to set the rules. I get to set the practices. If you, if I don't like you, get out of here. There's been so many of those controversies. Porter's getting kicked out and everything. So Calipari is seeing his whole world change around him. And the other side of it, like I said, is the winning part of it. It's just if they were winning right now, I don't think he would be so ornery. But it would be one thing if they were getting to the Elite Eight, Final Four, and running out of wind against, you know, Kansas. Your training facility is not why you lost to St. Peter's. Yeah. It has nothing to do with that. And so the fact that he's looking around, he's seeing his world, that he's understood it for 50, 60 years. He used to be this cool guy with the slick hair that was the cool guy in town. He's looking across now and you got Stoops, who is dictating university spending decisions, dictating media rights deals, dictating how things are going in Lexington. And he's starting to get mad because he's saying, well, maybe if I had the resources that he didn't, it's like, buddy, you've had those resources for over 10 years. Let's see it. Let's see something. Because if the power balance was what he thought it was, if they were consistently getting the final fours, Kentucky would still be, quote unquote, more of a basketball school. But because of the void that Cal has left with things to root for, Stoops has gone in and taken that title from him. And you can look at the way that Kentucky fans are excited for football and not excited for basketball in a way that's never happened in history so, before. It's funny that you mentioned that. I was talking to my brother about this. And I'm pretty sure KSR did a poll uh, months ago. Months ago. What are you more excited for, football or basketball? in the 2022-2023 school year. Mm-hmm. And it was overwhelming football. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is wild. It is wild to think that that exists because in the world that I grew up in, and I I, I, I think I relate to Kentucky fans in, in certain ways as somebody who went to Indiana and saw what that football stadium would look like mid-October if you sucked. Mm-hmm. That attention shifts, man. Midnight Madness comes around. Forget about it. Mm-hmm. It's over. Football's on the back burner. Good luck getting front page in the newspaper. Good luck having a bunch of media show up to your press conferences. Good luck having any ounce of relevance in that town. Mark Stoops has changed that. He has no doubt changed that. And more people, more and more people have, have been able to see that with a year like what they just had. And that's what's kind of the, the thing that's working in his favor. It's not just like, oh, it's just 2018 where you had that really good year. And so now... There is going to be this awkward dynamic, and you could. There, are, there are people listening to this and say, "Well, why didn't Mitch Barnhart just give Cal what he wanted in the beginning, and then we wouldn't be having this conversation?" Which is true, mm-hmm. but Cal still said what he said, and that's and that's the problem. Do I think Mark Stoops has a foot out the door at Kentucky? No, I don't. I really don't. Do I think that Cal has a, has has some work to do to remember the dynamic of college athletics and where it's heading and the importance of football and how everything matters in recruiting, especially when it comes to football? And you say very outwardly that they're not mm-hmm. on the level of Alabama, Georgia. Yes, I think Cal needs to remember those things. It was a, a bad choice of words. In the same way we talked about Nick Saban having a bad choice of words by singling out AM the way that he did by talking mm-hmm. about buying the recruiting class and how it overshadowed the bigger picture issue that he was trying to get to. Cal did a very similar thing. It just happened to be in-house. <laughs> and we saw a pretty pretty similar reaction in terms of uh in terms of a response from from Mark Stoops that we got uh from Jimbo Fisher as well. At least that's what it felt like. Let me say this really quick too. Those are two guys that were hired under such different circumstances that like, and this is me reading the tea leaves. I don't, you know, whatever. I don't know these two guys, but you gotta think Cal, like he said, came in and it was like, you got Calipari. He just turned around UMass. He just turned around Michigan or uh, Memphis. Memphis. Like it's going to be, it's going to be this amazing thing. Whereas Stoops was like this, you know, 
good old boy, obviously off the Stoops coaching tree, is a hard worker, that type of guy. And I feel like Cal probably, in the beginning at least, turned his nose up and was like, oh, like, you know, we're a tier one program and Stoops is like this, you know, hardworking, like man of the people. And then now he's watching those two things kind of, kind of, eclipse in a way and he's like i'm supposed to be the cool guy here i'm supposed to be the showstopper how is this guy think he can talk to me it's like buddy win some games yeah there are there are egos at play here and uh there are a lot of questions moving forward and if if you're one of these programs feeling like you're in everything school look at the Mm -hmm. situation in kentucky and just remember even if things look good publicly there are still things always that you're going to have to deal with that can bubble below the surface and pop up in an issue like this all right, let's kick it to Ben Lathan. Disclaimer, uh, we've got some adult language on this one. That's all right. If you're in the office, maybe put put the headphones in. You should always have the headphones in if you're listening to a podcast in the office. Don't just let that out for... No, not everybody in your office needs to hear what I'm saying to them. Uh, so put the headphones in. If you've got kids in the car, just save this interview for later. Come back to it. But Van was truly a one-of-a-kind guest in a good way. He was absolutely awesome. One of the most passionate fans I've ever heard in covering this sport for the last 10 years. So here is Ben Lathan. I'm now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is the Ringers, Van Lathan. Uh, Van, when I asked you uh, at first if you could come on, you gave me the single best response I've ever gotten in five years of doing a podcast. I said, hey, I'd love to be able to talk about your book. Let's talk some LSU. We'll we'll talk some recruiting things. And I, I said, would we be able to make that happen? And you go, F yes. And I said, would, would, you know, would this specific date work? And you respond neck period. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. How often do you just respond neck period in daily conversations? I speak in the language of LSU. (laughs) You might ask me something and I might say Nicholson drive. Okay. You might ask me something else and I might say, Oh, Herb Tyler. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of things that you can ask me and you never know. I might say Jack Hunt to a question. You might ask me something. I'll be like, ah, Jack Hunt. You never know. You have no clue what's going to happen. I'm unpredictable. And especially when, when it, uh, when it has to do with LSU, because really what that really was, was that was a test to see if I was going to come on your podcast. (laughs) Because if you're an L, if you, if you're talking about the Tigers, there's certain things that you got to know. And if you came back, hey, what is that? Blah, 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 blah. Like, nah, man, I'm not doing it. But I, but you're solid. You're very solid. So you got a lot of bear stuff behind you right there. You're from Chicago. I could tell. Yeah, you know. Uh, I see Rizzo. I see the Cubs. I see World Series champions. I'm looking around. I see a lot of – you're from Chicago, but you're in L- but you you know LSU. How does that How does that happen? What, 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 now I'm interviewing you. What happened? Okay, so as as somebody, yeah, you've done this before. You've you've hosted a podcast or two. Um, moved down here, originally born and raised in the Midwest, suburbs of Chicago. Moved down here to run our Big Ten site, Saturday Tradition. Two years into that, they moved me over to covering all things SEC. So since 2017, it's been mostly SEC stuff with a little bit of Big Ten mixed in as well. But yeah, basically for the last like five years, this will be my sixth season doing SEC stuff. So I've. I've learned the way of LSU and my, my co-host will is diehard LSU through and through. And I, when you say neck, you can't not know what that is. Connor, let me ask you a question. How does it feel to finally experience real football? After all of those years, after all of those years 
being up in the Midwest, you're watching the Bears, right? Shout out to the Bears. Shout out to Rex Grossman. How oh. about that? Huh? Shout out to Rex Grossman. How that you hurts. like that? That hurts. Shout out to, shout out to Harbaugh. You know what I mean? You, oh, like, you like this, huh? Shout out to all of these guys. Dude, I'm an Indiana grad too. So yeah, you talk about wow. coming down here. I spent a few years out in Nebraska as well, though. So I, I but 2013, 2014. So Bo Pelini. Yeah. Tommy Frazier, a little bit different though. So it's, you know, not, not quite mid nineties, Nebraska, more like, you know, are they going to fire Bo Pelini, Nebraska, a much worse version of that. Oh, wow. So, so you, so you're, so let me tell you the Nebraska. I know, I know when I was first coming to understanding football, I know this version of Nebraska that wasn't even real. It was these ridiculous football robots. Steroids, but yeah. would smash anything in their way. I remember people talk about SEC dominance, right? And don't get me wrong. The SEC has been that conference forever, all right, forever. I'm not trying to start the whole bull crap, guys. I'm just saying – it's good football being played in the SEC. Okay, don't, don't, don't come with me. With You're the preaching whole thing. the choir. You're scared. good. Okay, so I remember Florida went to play Nebraska. You know, we thought that SEC would be able to. Man, hell no! Like Lawrence Fra- uh, Lawrence Phillips and Tommy Frazier destroyed Florida. Destroyed them. Them boys were different. And then after him came Amon Green. So like they they destroyed them, and then so middle to late nineties, early two thousands, the SEC started churning it out a little bit more, and you saw maybe the conference put their thumb on the scale a little bit. But um, shout out to the Big Ten and all those conferences because they all play fantastic football. I I, I I I Josh, I kid. That game that you're that you're referencing right there, I kid you not, I have been in a bar in Lincoln. And that game gets put on the projection screen, and the eyes that turn to that. This, mind you, this is in 2014. This is two decades after the fact. That's how bad it has been for Nebraska, where they have to put that on, and you see Spurrier like rub his head like probably 50 times that night. And that's why I think that's why I started with the visor after that game because he just yeah. he looked really bad, just rubbing his hair over and over. They watched that game, and they're like locked into every single play. That's how sorry times have fallen. On Nebraska, it's rough. Well, they went from well, they went from Osborne. Then Osborne left. Was it Frank Zolich, Zolich that yep. came? So Zolich came. He went on to coach the Ohio Bobcats after a while. So Zolich came, and then because they stay relevant, right? Because they had Eric Crouch, and like they they stay relevant for a little while. But then around the time that Oklahoma uh, started to like take over, Bob Stoops, Nebraska. Out of there, yep. It kind of, it kind of happens, you know. But now, like the end of the tunnel, mm. Scott Frost. Mm. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Scott Frost. Who? Let me tell you why I'll never forget Scott Frost. I'll never forget Scott Frost because I watched when he was a player, but I also will never forget Scott Frost for trying to get Legarrette Blunt off the field. After Laguerre Blunt, Laguerre Blunt detonated that guy from Boise State's jaw. Do you remember? Oh yeah. This? Oh, she's <laughs> open, right? Yeah, yeah I never, I'll never forget Scott Frost trying to pull Laguerre Blunt off the field because I'm like, yo, what is that? Yeah, he was he was on Oregon staff, 
after LeGarrette Blount got punched in his face. So, look, Ross did a great job, UCF. Okay. Shout He's out got Orlando. a couple of guys up there from LSU. True. Okay. So, uh, as far as I'm concerned, there's life. There's a heartbeat. Even if it's faint, you don't think so. No. You, don't, you don't believe it. You're, <laughs> kind of, you're, not, you're down on the Huskers. I am. You're anti-Husker. I'm not I'm not anti-Husker in the way that some probably think I am. Having just lived it there, I have a lot of, and I say this all the time, I have a lot of Nebraska fan friends in my life who bleed big red, the whole deal. They put the they're upset that they can't put the balloons into the air anymore, the whole deal. But at the same time, <laughs> I don't care if Scott Frost has a 28 point lead. If there's two minutes left in the fourth quarter, dude's gonna find a way to blow it. He just will. Wait that's, a minute. that's what he does. <laughs> you gotta Listen, Scott Frost is only 47 years old. Okay. Only. He's a that's young in the coaching ranks. I mean, I know you got your Ryan Days and you got some other guys like there that are wonder kids. <laughs> but in this particular in, in this particular situation, I don't know why I feel this way, but I think Nebraska will be viable over the next couple of years. Don't don't take my word for it. I don't watch the Big Ten as much, but I think you know whatever, man. It's Nebraska. I like I like to I like to see I'm I like to see traditional powers. That's what I like. And people don't like this about me. When I was coming up, I remember, man, Arizona had a good team. They're not a traditional football power, but they had Trump candidate and all of these guys. And when these schools just fall off, I really don't care if I'm being honest. But it would be good to see a decent Nebraska team. What is what is the quarterback they had there that played there for like what? Who's there like 25 years? Adrian, Mart- Adrian Martinez. Adrian now. Martinez. Yeah. yeah. Now when they were making State. a little noise with him, you know what I mean? Well, he's probably the same age as Frost. When they were making a little noise with him, I was happy for them. Anyway. Okay. So Scott Frost chose him and said, do you think that Joe Burrow is better than what we got? This is how we tied into LSU. He famous last words that he said when Joe Burrow entered the transfer portal, Joe Burrow famously wanted to go to Nebraska and Scott Frost did not give him the time of day. You talk about a sliding doors moment in the history of LSU football that that could have been if Scott Frost had just paid attention to Joe Burrow and granted the guy, uh, the Nebraska legacy, a scholarship. Things Let me change. Say something real quick. It, it is true, but... I want to make sure that we don't – first of all, Joe Burrow's the greatest player I ever saw. <laughs> uh, it, brings a, it brings a smile to my face even talking about Joe, okay? But, you know, Joe couldn't beat out Dwayne Haskins, man. And there were a lot of situated circumstances that happened over in Ohio State. There were some injury situations. There was all kinds of stuff that happened with Joe. Joe might have got the job if not for an injury. Joe was the man. But the reality is nobody knew. And it was a combination of things. Joe came down here, and as much as we talk about – Coach O, there is some kind of synergy between Burrow and Coach O that really allowed him to go out on the field and be an operator, to allow him to go out on the field and have total, complete confidence. Um, they, 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 they had this relationship that, that really, in my opinion, like led to the really rapid-fire development that we saw out of Joe Burrow. Because remember, that whole first year, he got better with every single game. He started off serviceable. By the time we got to uh, the bowl game against UCF, actually, um, coincidentally, he's throwing darts. He's throwing darts. Then the next year, he goes to the passing academy. Everybody's like, this kid's great. Then he says, we're going to score 50 points a game. And even us in Baton Rouge, I'm in Los Angeles right now, but the Baton Rouge natives, we were like, that's not going to happen. 50 points a game at LSU? 
So there's a lot of stuff that went on. I don't quite blame Frost for that, but it's a kick yourself moment if there ever was one in life, you know? Okay, so where are you at right now in terms of the level of excitement, Brian Kelly era? Because I heard you say in February on Rachel's pod. <laughs> what? That's, what? that's where you're at? BK takeover, baby. That's where I'm at. Have you seen the recruits coming to Baton Rouge? Huh? You have. And you said you were going to be more casual about it. You said you were going to be more casual. You weren't going to go all in with recruiting. I remember listening to that episode. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. Van Lathan is not about to just take a back seat and just pretend like he's some casual fan and not be all up on the message boards and not be talking about every five-star recruit that comes in. That, that is not in your DNA. No, it's not in my DNA at all. As a matter of fact, my job, my goal is to make enough money to where I can like go to the high school games and sit in the stands with shades and a fedora on and like list all of the recruits. The, the, this is the reality of the situation. You ask me how excited I am. The BK takeover is happening, baby. It's coming to a stadium near you this year. There, there are a couple of benchmarks that I have for a successful LSU season. has nothing to do with all the things, the expectations that we have normally, which is making the playoff and, you know, winning the West and all of that. That's not it, Connor. That's not it. What we want to see is a competent philosophy on offense and defense. We want to be disciplined from our players. We want to see no drop-off in special teams, which is going to be hard because we lost tremendous uh, special teams coaching. And we also lost uh, some of the best special teams players that we had had. And so we want to, and we want to see commitment to detail. What had happened under Ogeron, most LSU fans will tell you that we had started to place talent over detail. That's never been LSU, right? You know, never been LSU. We don't place talent over detail. What we do is we get in, we get in with the defense. We do things right. We do things right. And what we have is the talent to make sure that we put guys in positions to succeed while they're doing things right. That's why the Louisiana's three-star is such an important thing because you take a kid who, for whatever reason, might have gone unnoticed, be somewhere in Shreveport or in Sinla or somewhere like that in Lake Charles, and you get them with the best facilities. You get them with the, uh, the number one nutrition in the game. and You get them with the best coaching, and all of a sudden that latent talent comes out. We hadn't seen as much of that because we hadn't needed as much of that because we were relying on the prodigious talent of the guys that we were bringing in to get us over the fact that we were a really poorly coached team, love Ogeron, but more so a poorly run sports organization. And what I'm looking for out of this season, I think what a lot of LSU fans are looking for out of this season is to see that cleaned up because the talent's going to be there. Ricky Collins is, is committed today, probably come to LSU. Sheldon Sampson, come on. Get excited, baby. You know what I'm talking about? We're bringing in the four stars. We're bringing in the five stars. Stars everywhere. It's like the goddamn galaxy. We like Right now, we might as well be the Hubble Space Telescope because all we see, Connor, are stars everywhere. Okay? So that part of it is going to take care of itself as long as they hit the recruiting trail hard. Those are the things that are going to be a successful LSU season. And if that works out, seven and five, eight and four, if that works out, um, I mean, nobody's going to accept six wins, so he needs to try to win seven games. <laughs> but, 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 but if that works out uh, in that way, I think me and a lot of other fans would be happy. 
Kirby lost to Vandy in year one. Saban lost to Louisiana Monroe. So, I mean, it's different now, it's it different. is different. Okay, but it, so it's different. <laughs> Right, right, right. It's right. different in this way in that it's it's all about talent acquisition. You talk about the three star guys in state, Clyde Edwards Alaire, Justin Jefferson, my my good buddy Jacob Hester, like all these people who have been, hey, you just gave me a look when I said Hester. Because that's a legend. That's why. He is that's a legend. The man. He is the man. You know, like I just I just went back and watched like because I'll go back. My girl hates this. She'd be like, man, what are you doing right now? It's like I'm watching LSU Arkansas from 07. Did you watch She's Florida like, again? Like, yeah, why? And you watch Hester. Hester is the man. Hester is the man. A great football player. Is, you, you, you know what I mean? I, I'm privileged to know him a little bit. But that's the man. That's LSU football right there. Those guys, the, the Jacob Hesters, the Charles Scotts. Even the Justin Jeffersons, people not Justin Jeffersons, the Jordan Jeffersons, who people was was, was much maligned when he was here, but those guys are LSU football. The Russell Shepherds, man. Come on. Connor, get excited. It's almost time. <laughs> You're at a different level right now than than listening to you in February. And I'm I'm gonna say you sounded worried back back talking about Saban, talking about Jimbo with the NIL stuff. And things things seem different for you at this point. Are you more at peace kind of with the recruiting strategy? Are you worried about NIL, Saban still being Saban, Jimbo, you know, doing what he's doing, obviously, in NIL, allegedly not buying players or anything like that. But how, how do you feel overall about LSU fitting into this new era? That was the moment that things changed for me. Just like talking Texas through it? Bowl, Texas Bowl was tough, man. <laughs> Texas Bowl was tough. The Texas Bowl was like a bad Disney movie, dog. Are, is there a bad like, Disney movie, though? Are they all good? Yeah, I mean, some of them. You, you make a solid point. The Texas Bowl was was bad, right? I'm like, damn, this sucks, you know. BK, we had Accent Gate. We had him dancing with Danny Lewis, and then Danny didn't come in. I'm like, god damn it. <laughs> like, 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 what's happening? What changed? Besides the crew, which is very important. My outlook changed after the cat fight between Saban and Jimbo Fisher. Interesting. Okay. I looked at it and I was thinking, how ridiculous. Look how scared they are. And they have all the money in the world in College Station. Shout out to AM, not dissing the Aggie fans. And they have all the talent in the world in Tuscaloosa. That includes on the sidelines with Coach Staben and his fantastic staff, right? Of Gumps, but they're still good. They're Gumps, don't get me wrong, but they're good, okay? They have all of that. Watching these two guys lob grenades back and forth to one another and watching BK just stay cool. BK never lost his cool. BK has been been through the ringer. BK, shout out to all my coworkers. BK has been, BK has been through. They talked so much about BK. They've talked about BK's dancing. They've talked about BK's crudin. They've talked about the way BK left Notre Dame. Who wouldn't leave a place where it's minus nineteen degrees in July? All right, shout out to Touchdown Jesus. Not true. Like, 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 BK. They, they talk so much, and what? Did, how did BK react? Did he go on some kind of scorched earth rant? 
in front of a whole bunch of boosters? No. Did he call a press conference and get up there and air all of his dirty laundry in front of the entire college football world? No. Was it as the world turns because there was a little bit of criticism or a little bit of pressure on Brian Kelly? No. He handled it like a professional. And once I saw those guys, two titans, two men I respect, I saw Jim Official's wife on TV. I tell this story all the time. I was just going to ask titans. you about that. <laughs> like we got to talk. Titans. We got to talk about that story. Two men I respect. Watching them go back, I'm like, our coach is cool as a cucumber. I'm good with it. We're in okay. good hands. And right away, things start to change for LSU. Recruiting changes. You know what I mean? Things start to change for LSU right away. Okay, you got to tell the the Jimbo Fisher wife TV story of your Best Buy days is incredible. For those who haven't heard that, you shared it on on Ryan Russillo's podcast. Would you be able to to share that on these airwaves? I worked at Best Buy, Baton Rouge, store 495, right outside the Mall of Louisiana. If you look, there was a Bennigan's over there. You should go to this Bennigan's and get chicken fingers almost on the daily. Then there was the interstate, Best Buy, where I was on the magic salesman. Imagine this type of enthusiasm <laughs> for LSU football, right? But imagine it all channeled into like a plasma television set. And this was a different time. Right now, you can go into one of these places. I don't even have the plasma anymore. It's obsolete technology. You go in there and you get an OLED. If you get a really nice one, $4,000 with five, something like that. If you get a really big one, it can get more. Back then, it's only a couple of plasmas that they had, right? And they had one, it was a Mitsubishi $10,000 TV. Probably anyone ever bought it. It's a true story. Mitsubishi Plasma. Somebody bought that TV. And then four years later, like was kicking themselves in the buttocks because of the fact that it was completely obsolete literally four years later. It paid 10 grand for it. Well, it was probably Ja Rule or someone else. Um, but this lady comes in and she, uh, Shows my TV. So I'm like, okay, cool. What about TV? I'll sell you a TV. How are you doing? Like, yeah, my family, we're not from here. So we moved here. I was like, oh, really? Why would you move to <laughs> I don't know very many people who just, you know, they moved. I was like, what brings you to Baton Rouge? My husband works for LSU, and all of a sudden my equipment shakes. I'm like, in what capacity? No, he's a coach on the team. <gasps> I look at the name on the thing. It says Fisher. It's like, is your husband Jimbo Fisher? The offensive coordinator of the Tigers? And she's like, yes. I looked at her. I was like, look, let me tell you what we should do. I should just give you this TV. <laughs> you should pull up to the front very slowly and quietly. Okay. And I should have one of these guys. I know these guys in the back. They're all stealing back there anyway. I know these guys. I drink with these guys. I know what's happening. Trade numbers out of control here. I'm no snitch, but I know what's going on. If I if I if I slip one of these guys in fifty spot, they'll will this television out to you. She laughed. Um, <laughs> that actually was said by the way. Uh, she like she laughed. Uh, but since then, you know, I had a little relationship with them because the, the way it worked. Is if you bought a TV from Best Buy, you know, you had a problem, you call up, whatever, whatever. Not a little, not a little relationship. They're not going to remember me. But the reality is I sold the television to her. Um, and 
uh, I was very excited to do. I think I scared her with my enthusiasm for LSU football, as I think most people are taken aback by. I don't think people understand Baton Rouge. I don't think people understand like the South when you see when you see um, like these stories, like man shoots brother-in-law after Iron Bowl uh, discussion. Everybody else goes, "How stupid!" We go, "I can see that." <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I met a lot of people. I remember Ben Troop from Florida came oh, in yeah? to Best Buy one time. Ben Troop came in to try to try to buy. Uh, uh, I was working in um, cell phones then. Wireless. He tried came in to try to buy a cell phone. I was like, "You should go buy from somewhere else. Get out." And then he, <laughs> then he laughed, and I sold him the phone. Uh, Wait, how, why, why, why did you tell him? Why did you tell him to get out? What was wrong with Best Buy cell phones? No, he went to Florida. I'm not help him. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like you guys, have, you guys have to understand. You guys have to understand. It wasn't always like this. I remember sitting in Tiger Stadium when Spurrier was literally. Satan. He was the devil. Okay. Like with like the devil. He would do devilish things. And my father would laugh at this stuff, right? Well, I'd be sitting there and my, my like, I'm we're down 35 points. Saving runs like a fake punt or something like that. And my dad would go, oh, I like that joker. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? You know what I mean? So I I never and then they got Tebow, bro. And after they got Tebow. Do you know how demoralizing it is to just watch Tim Tebow run over your linebackers for like four quarters? To watch these guys in the fourth quarter come up and just summon every single ounce of manhood that they have to stop the quarterback? You know what I mean? So, look, shout out to the SEC. SEC love, but I'm not a big fan of Florida football. They are really my nemesis, even more than Alabama, I'll be honest with you. Okay, so this story... Your rise and fall at Best Buy actually has to do with Florida. It's one of the best things I've ever heard. If I recall from hearing that on, on Rosillo, it involved the Buffalo Wild Wings and a man named Arlen Bethay. Can you tell that Arlen story? Arlen Bethay, the general, the general manager of, uh, of, uh, of Store 495. Great guy. Okay. But there was an argument. It wasn't over Florida per se, but it was about a place in Florida. A player who and went to Florida. Speaking of Tebow. Yeah. Okay. So in the Best Buy, and there's this game that was not in the Best Buy, in the Buffalo Wild Wings. And there's this game on, the most physical football game I've ever seen before in my life. People don't remember this game. It's a Monday night football game between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. And they're just destroying each other. I'm like, God damn, it's tough being in the NFL. And some kind of way we got on. Running backs because Arlen Bethay had gone to like this. Uh, is it Wofford? Wofford is the name of the school because Arlen went there, and then I think Arlen's son went there. If Arlen can listen to this somewhere right now, um, love you, big chief. Arlen was a great <laughs> boss, he was cool as hell. Uh, but Arlen was talking, we were talking about the best running backs of all time, okay? And Arlen says. If you're talking about between Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders, Barry Sanders is better than Emmett Smith as a pure runner. As a pure runner, of course, Barry Sanders is better than Emmett Smith. But if you're talking about everything that it takes to be a running back, blocking, stiff arming, uh, 
catching the ball out of the backfield, all of that stuff. Emmitt Smith is a better running back than Barry Sanders. Arlen is the general manager of the store. I looked at Arlen and I said, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you, like, 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 I'm, like I'm, excuse me for cursing on your podcast. I don't Good. know what the rating is. I'm like, like you don't, like, like you're, you fucking lost it. Did you take one too many shots in the head in college? What are you talking about? No, like, no, he's, no, hell, in no way, nothing. This deteriorated our relationship a little bit as I cursed <laughs> at my boss in front of everybody else that was there at the Buffalo Wild Wings. And I was just so passionate as I am. Like, look, Emmitt Smith was great. He was great. Emmitt Smith is great. I want everybody right now to go to YouTube and and search Emmitt Smith dancing to Kanye West when, it was, when he was dancing to that song between the breaks on the NFL TV. Emmitt Smith is the man. Barry Sanders is a different species of human being. No one ever ran the ball like Barry Sanders. I couldn't care less about whose blitz pickup was better. I know that that's an important thing to, to, to talk about when we're talking about football. But when we're talking about who the best wide receiver of all time, we're talking about getting over, getting open, catching the ball, beating coverage, being a matchup nightmare. Nobody's going to say, yeah, but he blocked better than him. I don't care. I know it's two different positions and blocking is more important in, in, in the backfield. I'm talking about give me that rock and take me to the zone. And I was so willing. This is the beginning of it, Connor. I was so willing to get that takeoff in enemy territory because in front of my boss. cost me my job. <laughs> I don't regret it. I don't regret it. Even to this day, that plus the fact that, you know, there were certain things that I was supposed to be doing at my job and I wasn't doing it. But I'm telling you right now, <laughs> our relationship, me and Arlen, it disintegrated after I did that. I still love Arlen. He was one of the best bosses I ever had. How do you respond when a subordinate says that to you? <laughs> like, what was, what was his response to that? Because you, there's the moment of shock of not knowing, oh my God, this guy, this guy is psycho. If he's going to respond that way, you almost have to respect it more. I would think that, that instead of deteriorating it, that would probably improve the relationship. But I see the passion that, that you showed in that argument. I think you'd get a raise. So here's the thing. I think, I think it's tough because, number one, I'm against – I do it now because I'm older, but I'm against taking people that work at Best Buy – to like Buffalo Wild Wings and stuff. I'm against that. <laughs> now it's different. We all podcast together. All we do is talk. We want to go and we want to talk, whatever. Nobody wants to work a shift and then go to Buffalo Wild Wings in your uniform with your coworkers. And no one wants it to even be put on the table because if they if the if the managers say that that's happening, you pretty much gotta go. You know what I mean? Like, especially if you're a big deal, like I was. So for me, I feel like I was put in a, in a position to fail. I've had a couple of drinks. We're talking football. Connor, you see how I get. And eventually, we're going to bump heads. First of all, he wasn't even from Baton Rouge. So it wouldn't be too long before he said something about LSU or the Saints. All right? And then now we got to go. But he said, but he, he chose. You guys it's not true. Barry Sanders is better than Emmitt <laughs> Smith. I can't let that ride. Love Arlen. That's all. I, I, he, he was, we were cool, but 
We're never as cool as we were before then, for sure. <laughs> if you had still been at Best Buy these last couple of years, how many TVs would you have broken? A lot, bro. But see, it would be different now because if I was, I was such a good salesman, man. All the ones <laughs> called me Mr. Magic. <laughs> uh, seriously, call me Mr. Magic. Um, but like, there is one time to where I almost broke a TV. Watching LSU? Yeah. <laughs> so it was the, man, was it the, it's a it's a it's a Big Ten SEC matchup bowl. It's a New Year's Day joint. It was LSU Iowa. Um, I can't remember the bowl. Uh, it was LSU versus Iowa. Peach Bowl, maybe. And Citrus Bowl could have been. Was Citrus Bowl maybe? LSU Iowa, and we score late in the fourth to go up there's maybe i bet you could look i bet you could find this game if you looked it up we score late in the fourth to go up there's seconds left on the clock like seconds left not second seconds but maybe like 30 or 40 seconds left we're going to win and the thing about it is that we had so many tvs in the best buy that you got picture at different times so if you're standing in the in the back of the store watching the TV, they get the picture before you would be if you were standing over by the register. So I am attempting to talk to someone about a smaller television. Um, and because I was on the I wasn't on the big boy aisle, I was on the tube aisle, because if you were on the, the big television aisle, then that meant that you could not break your concentration. You had to sell. But see if I wanted to hide. I will go into the tube TV aisle where they don't care whether or not you sell anything. And that's how I go watch games if I want to. So I'm over there. I'm talking to somebody. They're like, uh, yeah, what kind of TV is it? I'm like, yeah, it's a Sony. Yeah, whatever, whatever. I'm watching the game. And all of a sudden, I hear this lady scream. She's screaming because she just saw the quarterback from Iowa go super deep over the top. This is saving era. I can't remember the t- – I can't – go super deep over the top, hit a receiver streaking up the sideline, and they scored. They won the game. That was the last possession of the game. We lost on something crazy like that. And I remember I had the remote in my hand, and I bent it, and I heard it crack. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, crack. I'm like, oh, did I just break this display? I bent it, and I heard it crack. I got to look that game up. LSU loses to Iowa. Uh last second but yeah that's the only time i almost broke a tv in there but over the last couple of years if i was still working there it would have been a lot man think about 2020 (laughs) alone think about think about the missouri game my god God. that's a terrible 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 loss connor the sliding doors too is pretty incredible if you think about like that last play. I mean, because there's goal lines not to go, not to re, re, uh, reopen old wounds here. But the, I, I think the LSU season could have turned out much differently in 2020. Had that play gone differently, they're two and one. It's kind of like, all right, yeah, Mississippi State happened. The air raid kind of caught them off guard. And then it's like, all right, yeah. you kind of figure things out. And then the Miles Brennan injury happens. And then it kind of just, 
you know, things kind of went downhill from there. But man, that those these last two years though have been just so. Uh, I mean, they they've just been contrary to everything we thought we knew about LSU pre twenty nineteen. Eight wins floor. You're going to get that no matter what. And instead, yeah. these last couple of years have just kind of changed the overall perception of that. So, yeah. The it pain was the Capital continued. One Bowl okay. in 2005. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. I think what's happened here is – I think it's been I think it's been sobering for the fan base in all seriousness. I think that what's, what's happened here is uh, we thought that you – know, if you lived through the 90s, you understood something about LSU. What you understood – about LSU in the nineties. And I think I've talked about this a little bit on, um, on Rosillo's pod too. You understand that if your state has a talent drain that you can be bad, right? So in the nineties, you had guys like Cordell Stewart leave the state. You had guys like Warren Dunn leave the state. Major Applewhite leave the state. Travis Minor leave the state. Major, Major Applewhite and Travis Minor went to travel with the Catholic high. That's in Baton Rouge, right? That's like right up the road, right? So all of those guys, and it's other guys too from all over the place. Guys from New Orleans, guys from Baton Rouge. Um, that changes with, with you know, Marshall Fall, leave the state. The Mannings don't count. They're not really Louisiana. <laughs> but, um, uh, and that's not a diss to them. Like, they grew up in New Orleans, but the dad is from Mississippi culturally. I, I think they're more tied to other places than they are to our state. Their kids never go to play ball in our state. Um, but um, you understood that LSU could be bad if we don't get the best talent in our state. Our, t- our state is very talent rich. And if we're not getting the best talent in our state, LSU could be bad. That changes with Kevin Falk. Well, Kevin Falk, one of the best uh, running backs, high school running backs in the country, decides to come to LSU. Uh, then you see the Michael Claytons come to LSU. You see the uh, – the, the Marcus Spears has come to LSU, the Chad Lavalley has come to LSU, and then we start getting those guys. And so what we think is, which is true, right now, if we if we recruited, if we put the fence up around Louisiana and recruited talent out of our state every year, we would we would be a perennial playoff team, right? Obviously, easier said than done. You got guys that are going to come to the state and get people. Obviously, Coach Saban has great recruiting ties into the state. Jimbo Fisher has great recruiting ties into the state. You're going to lose some of these guys. It's just the way that it goes, right? It's a lot of guys out there. Uh, but we didn't think that a season like that, at least I didn't think, let me not speak for the entire fan base, that that was going to happen, especially coming off of 2019. You know, you're going to have a Darius Geis. You're going to have somebody, uh, you know, Darius had whatever problems he had, but he was a fantastic Tiger. You're going to have a little for Ned. You're going to have so many difference makers that having that type of mediocrity uh, it's, just, it's, it's not going to happen again, right, with the type of classes that we have brought in. I think that's more than anything what got Co- Coach Ogeron fired. I think what got Coach Ogeron fired was the spectacular way in which the team began to fail because people didn't think that that was a thing. People didn't think if we go out there and we have a down year, right, if we have a down year where we end up in – like there was a year we played against uh, – um, against uh, what's your boy from the Chiefs? He's fantastic. He's the best quarterback in the football. Pat Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. There's a guy. There was a year that we played Texas Tech. I think it was in the Texas Bowl. Right? Yeah, Leonard Fournette's got seen, the cowboy hat on afterwards. The whole deal. It was like that. That the Texas yeah. Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Texas Bowl. So like we look. That's a down year, right? We didn't really accomplish what we thought we were going to accomplish for whatever. But having a year where we are completely non-viable, 
where we are a pushover, where we are a laughing stock, where we are at the bottom of the West, where we can't get our shit together, where we can't stop Bo Nix, right? Having years like that, that that makes fans harken back to a time to where LSU football wasn't really relevant and to where we didn't have. And that's the same thing that got Coach Miles fired. It wasn't the fact that we had a couple of down years. It's the fact that they looked like they didn't know what they were doing. Um, and so uh, now part of my, uh, my, um, my enthusiasm for, uh, for Coach Kelly is at the very least, I feel like he knows what he's doing. And the talent and the execution and all of those things will come once he's more acclimated to the recruiting in the state and once his reputation in the SEC is a little bit more fortified. But to your point, there's no way we thought that two years in a row things were going to go the way that they went. I don't have a team, and 2019 is probably my favorite year covering sport. We, we took a bunch of different trips that year, and including the one that we took to Baton Rouge. My guy, Pastor, gave us a tour of the facility. It was my first time doing Fine Bomb, like live on set. We had a listener, shout out Mickey Sheremy, like who he hooked us up with tickets on the 50. I mean, it was Auburn LSU. It was, it was incredible. And I just remember thinking that weekend, like, I now get it more than I ever have how sacred these weekends are, especially if you're competing for a title, which is just an entirely different story. You feel the different energy. Is there any other year that can, comes close for you in terms of, you know, LSU fandom 2019? Because obviously 03, you have like the USC controversy. 07 was the most herky-jerky title season anybody's ever had. So is, did anything ever come close to 2019 for you? First of all, Connor, let's address a couple of things. <laughs> You're a nice guy. I'm looking around your room and I can already tell that we're going to be friends. You got the office back there. You got a mic. Maybe that's your first mic that you ever use. I've got three. I got three or four. Yeah. So oh, the that's one back mic there? That you use. Oh, that's the yeah. original one. Yeah, yeah. I got one, the iRig down here. Yeah. Right. So, okay. yeah, I see you. Back. That's how I am. You know, well, I see you got basketball books. Picture of your family looks like you guys are. I'm wearing a Shaq well, and Penny shirt for you. Just Shaq for you. and Penny shirt. Like I can tell you right now, like we're friends. But what you're not going to do, Connor, is disparage either the 03 championship or the 07 championship. Okay. Okay. Let me tell you a couple of things before I go into the 2019 team, which you're right, right about. Number one, 03 is a debacle. It's not a debacle on our fault. We did what we were supposed to do. True. BCS computers had a formula. And according to this formula, two teams play for the national championship. We are as minted and as real as any champion. The writers decided they wanted to have a little West Coast bias. Okay. And give it to SC. SC beat Michigan. They felt like that was good enough for them. Give them, give them the AP National Championship, fine. That's not supposed to be the deal. The BCS, based upon the computers, the strength of schedule, and all of that stuff, is supposed to determine who wins it. Guess what happened? Oklahoma came down to New Orleans, and what they find out, what real football is about. That's what they find out. By the way, they found out again in 2019 what real football is about. Shout out to the Sooners. Okay, Every time they meet a powder keg called the LSU Fighting Tigers, they get an understanding of what it's really like to play behind those lines. That's number one. 
Number two, the 07 team, hey, sometimes Jesus wants you to win. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Sometimes Jesus wants to win. The Lord, <laughs> give it to the Lord, take it away. I'll tell you why. A couple of years later, Alabama's not going to be playing in that game. I can't remember who screwed up and lost. Maybe it was Iowa State or something like that. I can't remember. So we end up having to play Alabama. The Lord giveth us an O in an O. Oklahoma State. An o, an o. Those who lost, right? Oklahoma State lost. It was um, o, the Lord giveth an O seven. He take them away in 2011. We have to play a team again to beat them twice to win the championship. Not fair. Whatever happens. All right. So I, I, I give both of those championships full credit. You didn't even mention 1958, which is erasure. Yeah. Of, of uh, erasure of Billy Cannon. True. You like you like you don't erase Billy Cannon. Rest in peace to the old counterfeiter. Rest in peace to him. Now, 2019. You're right. I had to I had to take up for those other seasons. But there's something special about being the undoubtable. No questions asked. Undisputed. Big swinging penis of college football to have the goddamn Heisman to have the Lyman Award. Who even cares when you win the Lyman Award? We won the best award. award Coveted. Then like like who like to we we sweep all of this stuff and then on top of that, we don't just win, Connor. We kick everybody's goddamn asses. No one, no one could doubt. Okay? If two holes go to the ball, maybe a different situation. But <laughs> but the, re- <laughs> the reality, the reality of the situation is, you know, that was very special. And to be honest with you, <clears throat> being somebody that's from Baton Rouge, my mother went to LSU. So uh, who's from Baton Rouge? Whatever people say about Coach uh, Coach O, he's always got a drink on me. He's always got dinner at my place. He's always got a big hug. He did something. Um, that not a lot of LSU coaches are ever going to be able to say that they did. And for that, I'll always love the man. Uh, I always hold him in the absolute highest regard. And, you know, he's one of us, like I said on sales podcast, it's maybe a little bit too much. I want to do some rapid fire with you, but before that, give me the best buy sales pitch of why everybody should go buy fat, crazy tired, your book. It's not, you know, just, maybe you don't have to, <laughs> I don't care. I gotta be honest with you, Connor. Fat, crazy, and tired. Tales of the Trenches of Transformation. It's a great book about my struggles with mental health, about my struggles with uh, with 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 my weight, about my struggles to come out here and win an Academy Award, see the other room. All of that stuff is great. You know, buy the book or don't. I'm not going to pretend like the guys that are listening to them, the ladies that are listening to this college football podcast, care about the book that I wrote. I know what they do care about. The fact that we are literally weeks away from lining it up and getting busy. Okay. That's what they care about. So I hope that you guys buy the book. I would really enjoy if you guys buy the book. If you don't buy the book, guess what? No skin off my neck, baby. No sweat off my brow. I got a bunch of them over here. I can read it anytime I want. So what I want you guys to do is if you're if you feel like you want a great read, go buy it. If not, let's talk more football. Connor, what you got for me? Let's do it. All right. We'll go all over the place with this. Um, just first sure. thing that comes to mind for you. 
What is the wildest celebrity encounter you had working at TMZ? Lamar Odom. Oh. You want to hear the story? Fire away. Can't not get the story of Lamar Odom, yeah. So, we had run a story about Lamar Odom. This was during the dark times. I'm glad Lamar Odom is doing better. Lamar was mad. He did not appreciate the story. Didn't like it. So I was away from the office. I typically would go on several walks a day to TMZ. People would be like, where is Van? I'd be out in nature. i walk around the parking lot. i walk around the neighborhood where TMZ is. And get out. i got to get out of the office. No windows in that place. Ooh. Only thing is you breathe. The only thing that there is to breathe inside TMZ is not even oxygen. It's just bullshit. Celebrity bullshit. And i got to get out of there every now and then. i walk around. So I come back from one of my walks and Harvey's at his desk. He says, hey, Van, come over here. I'm like, all right, what's up, Harvey? He goes, you want to interview Lamar Odom? I'm like, sure, why not? He's like, okay, he's coming here. I'm like, what? He's like, Lamar Odom's coming to the office. And I'm like, so then why don't you interview him? He's coming. Typically, if somebody comes inside of TMZ, Harvey's doing the interview. Unless it's TMZ Sports, I mean, Evan would do it, but we hadn't launched the show yet, so that really wasn't a thing. We had the website, but I don't think the show had been on yet. I could be wrong about that. I don't remember. But for some reason, me and Evan weren't going to do the interview, and Harvey wasn't going to do it. Harvey said, I want you to do it. I'm like, okay, where are we going to shoot it? We're going to do it at the desk because we could do it at our desk. We all had cameras. I could just interview him there. He could slide into one of the desks. I said, oh, we could do it on the TMZ Live set. He goes, no, 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 no. I don't want him to come in the office. I was like, wait a minute. You what? He's like, I don't want him to come into office. I'm like, Harvey, you're confusing me. <laughs> How are we going to do this interview if Lamar Odom doesn't come inside the office? He goes, well, he's pissed off. He's pissed. I'm like, what do you mean he's pissed? It's like, he's mad. He's upset. He's like, trolled up. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you're joking around. He's like, no, 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 no. Oh, he's, he's like, he's not. You know what? I lie. One of the security guys told me that 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 he was pissed. Harvey never told me. Harvey goes, I just I don't think I don't think we want him in the office for this one right here. I'm like, okay, so where are we going to interview him? We couldn't interview him in the parking lot, which is what they wanted me to do, do a paparazzi style interview in the parking lot, because in the parking lot, we had signed a ten thousand dollar agreement with the people that ran the place that said, um, if we pulled out cameras in the parking lot that they could find us because these places had like um it was like uh, microsoft and all these other places that were there and they didn't want us to shoot people that might be coming in there to do mocap and all that kind of stuff like that if a celebrity and we see mad people walking that's all right gossing there one time was doing something with microsoft or one of these video game companies or something like that and so uh they didn't want us to um to be able to do that so we couldn't shoot any video in the parking lot that was a deal for us to be there at the reserve. So uh, they were like, go across the street to the Home Depot parking lot and shoot this interview with Lamar Odom. This interview is still up, by the way. If anybody thinks I'm bullshit, if you want to see Lamar Odom fucking yelling at me, did you just pull it up? No, I, I have. I have, but I mean, I need to right after this. Right. If you want to see Lamar Odom yelling at me, you can pull up the interview, Lamar Odom TMZ interview. So I go across the parking lot with security guard. Security guard goes, I think this guy's like upset. I think he's mad. 
I'm like, oh, interesting. Like, yeah, did you see the story they ran? So I'm looking at the story. I'm like, yeah, this motherfucker probably is, man. What the fuck? Is so we go over there to the parking lot. And by this point, since we're walking out with the camera, there's a security guard with me. The other people who work in the reserve are starting to see us. So they're wondering what's going on. Like, who's coming? Because they were always into, like, who was coming to TMZ? Because, you know, okay, later on, Kanye West would come. All kinds of people would come. Like, who's coming to TMZ? So I go across to the Home Depot parking lot, and I never forget, I'm looking around for him, and amongst all the cars, he looks like a gigantic fucking shark. <laughs> like, I can see him walking through the cars. Like, that's Lamar Odom right there. He's seven feet tall. So I go over to him, I go, Yo, Lamar, what's up, brother? He goes, you ain't my fucking brother. I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> Interview oh, happened, boy. though? Absolutely. I ain't <laughs> no punk bitch. You know what I'm saying? So I go over there and stand in front of him. I'm like, all right, now it's contentious. So now I'm like, hey, man, now I'm like a little. I'm like, now I'm in my shit. Now I'm like, hey, put the mic on. Let's go. Let's do this. And I turned that camera on and he let me have it. He let me have it. He let TMZ have it. He let the Kardashians have it. There was barely anything I could do to keep him on track. He was so mad, so hurt, so upset. He get to crying. This guy's big. He's like people. I saw Myers Leonard in the, in the, in the pharmacy yesterday in Beverly Hills. By the way, they wouldn't give him his drugs. I saw Myers Leonard. I saw Myers Leonard in the pharmacy. When you guys see these guys, they're not just they're not just tall because he's seven feet tall. He's huge. He's like gigantic. This guy's seven feet, two hundred and sixty pounds. He's like a thick guy, and it's the same way Lamar Odom. So this whole time, I'm like, okay, when it happens, I'm just gonna go for his feet. <laughs> I was like, I'm just gonna drop. I'm just gonna shoot the. I'm just gonna shoot the like. It's going to be like best of the best. I'm just going to go for his feet. I'm going to straight up shoot down to the bottom, and then I'm just going to hold on, <laughs> try to get him on the ground. Jeff Van Gundy style. The way that he held Jeff on Jeff Van Gundy style. It. I'm just going to shoot low, get him off of his feet, and then, you know, at that point, all of my vital organs are, and then I'm going to try to get some shots in. But that's by far. Other than that, man, celebrities love me, man. I was a nice guy. I talked to them, made them laugh, but Lamar was not fucking having it but me and him are cool now he called me weeks later we talked but that was very contentious god i don't know how we're gonna follow that up okay um i don't know how to transition to this but was uh top gun maverick overrated underrated or properly rated underrated movie to you nothing needs to be that is great other than that yeah top 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 gun maverick and pray two movies of the year shout out hangman Okay, how much money would you personally donate if you got a DM from BK saying, hey, we need to get $12 million to steal Arch Manning from Texas? Uh, no, not zero, zero dollars. None? No, zero dollars for Arch Manning. Okay, overrated. Some are saying. We get, we get zero dollars for Arch. Wish him the best. I'm sure he'll be great. Well, zero dollars. I'm not, I don't care. Does Jimbo Fisher ever win a national title at AM? He has to. He has to. So, Six million like, he's owed after this year. The, 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 the answer is he he Jimbo Fisher don't have a choice. 
he has to win a national title at A&M. Like, it, with the class they brought in, more five stars than the whole Big Ten, right? Big, big, so, like, he, he has to win one. And he has to do it in the next couple of years. Last one. Uh, is Emmett Smith a top three running back of all time? You have to put him in there. You have to. Okay, Just not one. Just not one. Not one. You have to put him in there. <laughs> I'd say he's even two. You know, and there's nothing wrong. He's got the most yards of all time. I go, I go, Barry Emmett, sweetness. Nah, bullshit. I go, Barry Emmett, Jim Brown. Then I put sweetness in. Okay. I can make an argument that it's Barry, Jim Brown in it. It is. It's Barry, Jim Brown. <laughs> Barry's one. That's all that matters. Barry's one. Barry's one. But Emmett Smith is a fantastic, amazing, sensational uh, football player. It's just that Barry Sanders is a god. <laughs> man, this has been awesome, man. Really, really appreciate the time. Best of luck with everything that you got going on, and good luck to your Tigers this year. Not for everybody, Connor. Some people are not going to like this segment, but some people will. So so here's the thing that you have to understand. Whenever you want to have me back, I'm down. But I'm telling you right now, if LSU goes on a roll, if we start 4-0, remember we got Florida State, we got some of the first we State, a couple of games we could start 4-0. We could drop the game to Florida State and then lose to Mississippi State. We never know what kind of cataclysm awaits in college football. Who knows? But if LSU starts strong, this interview will be totally different when you have me back. Because okay. at that point, no one will be able to fucking stop me. I'll be a fucking Doberman, Doberman pincher off its leash, biting every take that has to do with the Tigers. I'll be going nuts. You don't understand what my life is like. You know what I want you to do, Connor? I want you to meet me in Baton Rouge. Let's me, you, Rosillo, Hester, T-Bob, Matt Moscona. We all get together and we just fucking go nuts on LSU football. Pick a game, we'll do it. Peter Burns, is he worth it or no? You don't know Peter Burns, do you? SEC Network? Not really. Okay. We'll leave him out of that group. He's cool. PB's cool. He goes on vacation every other week. Bring them all. Oh, wait. You know who else you could bring? Before, bring him. Bring those two guys. What are those two country white guys that have their show? I can't forget. I can't remember their names. But they travel around as well. I love those guys. One of them covers NASCAR. He's got hair kind of like oh, Marty McGee. Yeah, Marty McGee. Marty McGee. Yeah. No, they're awesome. They're absolutely Marty. Marty Smith. Marty McGee. Marty McGee. Marty and McGee got to come to our party. We also got to get some more black people at this party. Just to let you know, because <laughs> right now yeah, I'm outnumbered. But Marty and McGee, Ryan Clark, maybe Ryan Clark will come. There we go. Like Marty and McGee. All right, cool. Um, nice, nice, nice talking to you, man. It was a lot of fun. Neck. Neck. What's my destiny, Mom? You're going to have to figure that out for yourself. Life is a box of chocolates, Forrest. You never know what you're going to get. Before we get to figuring it out, uh, I just wanted to touch on the news that came out earlier from uh, Christian Garrick, I believe it was first who reported it to LSU confirmed the news. Miles Brennan retiring from football, the LSU quarterback. I have LSU talk on today's pod. That's all right. Um, I know we both had had some reactions to this. I, I'm bummed because there will always be that what if with his career. Mm-hmm. 
we've talked about this before. I mean, injuries really prevented it from getting going. We, we saw a guy start at 2020 who was showing some pretty impressive qualities. I thought after he had that rough start against Mississippi state, I, I was really intrigued by the potential. I, I was, and it's, I, I think it's it's unfortunate to kind of look back on the way that things played out. I definitely missed out on any sort of chance to sell my Miles Brennan stock. Too bad. <laughs> I get a good return. Dogecoin right now. It's valueless. Yeah, the ROI on that one, not so <laughs> hot. Um, but yeah, it, it's weird just the way though that it played out like it did. Because at first it looked like he could have transferred after the 2021 season. Mm-hmm. And I, I know Nebraska was interested. I, I thought it would have made sense at Ole Miss. I, I don't know that he would have been this no-doubter starter. But I do know that he would have had a Power 5 market. And instead, Kelly talks him into coming back to LSU for year six. It's going to be a new offense. It looks like he's got a shot in the spring. But then Nussmeyer was the better quarterback and Daniels was handpicked by Kelly. It was pretty clear. That's what all the reports were out of Baton Rouge this past week or so that Brennan was kind of third string. And Mm -hmm. it looked like he just decided, Hey, I I don't really want to hold a clipboard. I'd rather just kind of start my life as a 24 year old, whatever he is at this point. Yeah. Um, He's 23. That's That's very good. It's going to be 24 probably really soon though. Right. Yeah. I I did a whole, yeah. He's like, I think March. So it's like over half of the year. Yeah. Yeah. The the photo of him getting recruited by Les miles lets you know how old miles Brennan is. It's been around. Can I give you a fun list? Please do. Uh, here are a couple of the top 10 songs from the day that uh, Miles Brennan committed to LSU on uh, uh, April 30th, 2016. Number one was Work by Rihanna. Um, so we were hot off of a Rihanna release is how far away this was. Wow. Panda by Designer. Panda, 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 right? Uh, and then, you know, we got some Megan Trainer in here. We have uh, I Took a Pill on the Biza, if you ever heard that. Uh, Cake by the Ocean. Uh, oh, it was yeah. ninth week. So me, myself and I by G easy. I think that was where I started laughing because that was an entirely different universe. That boy was literally recruited during the Obama administration. So shout out to him for his entire, you know, time at LSU. Everyone says he was a great leader. Everyone says that he was a great locker room guy. And like you said, it's like Kelly, I don't think Kelly lied to him. I just think that Jaden, you know, became available and Jaden's obviously just a former, like what, like top 50 recruit. He was right behind Bo Nix in that class. So made all the sense in the world to add him. And then Nuss kind of came out of nowhere. Shout out to Coach O for kind of tanking the Arkansas game to keep Nuss in the building. Um, it looks like, looks like both of those guys just passed him. So shout out to him. And uh, we're always going to have that video from him dancing in walk-ons. So that's great. Great video. Really good, good content. And that was the point that that was brought up as well about why NIL is kind of a, it could be a double-edged sword. It's, it's great for, for the athletes, obviously. So these businesses, I mean, the guy got a truck, he had to deal with walk-ons. He had, uh, what, what was the other, he had another national, like pretty national deal. Yep. That I, I, I'm blanking on what exactly it was, but Miles Brennan did pretty well for himself. And I know, despite the fact that uh, dude hasn't played a game since 2020. I mean, <laughs> That's that's bananas to think that he played three games after Joe Burrow left. I mean, that that to me is is always going to be kind of frustrating because I, I do think he could have been a good LSU quarterback. I don't know if he would have had all SEC type potential. He would have had to figure some things out, but mm-hmm. I, I still think that there was promise there. And now you kind of move forward if you're Brian Kelly, knowing that you actually set yourself up well to be able to handle a situation like this because this did not there's no guarantee that it was going to, it was going to work out where Brian Kelly was going to have some depth at quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. I think we forget 
just how much recruiting at the quarterback position he had to do after he got the job because yep. there was obviously talking to, to Miles Brennan, talking to Garrett Nussmeyer, being like, hey, really need you to stick around. That would be right. great if you did. But the one-time exemption, you know, these guys could have gone, they could have gone anywhere, Miles Brennan, in different situations, grad transfer. But you had that, the Walker Howard video that went viral with, Kelly dancing and celebrating the, you know, the recruitment, all that stuff that confirming his commitment to LSU was a really big deal. Lost right. in the shuffle of Brian Kelly looking like the most dad guy ever <laughs> in a dance video was that he got a big time blue chip recruit to stay committed to LSU. And then the way that the Jaden Daniels thing unfolds, he ends up getting a guy who was pretty coveted out of the portal. I'm not saying that mm -hmm. he, you could have gone anywhere, but he had options. We know Mizzou was definitely after him. We know that Jaden Daniels could have gone to a power five program and there was no guarantee that, that LSU was going to be able to, to make that pitch to be able to get him because we knew what they already had there. And there's two guys that have been around LSU. So I, I give Kelly credit for being able to get some depth at quarterback. I still think Jaden Daniels is going to be the week one guy, but having Nussmeyer and feeling this good about him to where there was that obvious divide between Nussmeyer and Brennan, which is telling in my opinion, mm -hmm. having that divide there is a good thing for LSU moving forward. Whether or not that means LSU ends up being like a prolific passing offense near one of the Brian Kelly era. I don't know. I have no idea, but you've set yourself up well to be able to handle something like this. Uh, just want to say really quick. So, of course, Ravel was quick to tweet. Well, these brands aren't getting their money's worth. Uh, you know, there's no contingency on playtime. But the brands you were speaking on were Raisin Cane, Smoothie King, Game Coin, Small Sliders, and Richard. Smoothie King. Yes, that was the one. Yeah, uh, thank goodness for Smoothie King. Right? That's so much for Louisiana sports. But anyway, and also a Ford dealership. Uh, best tweet about this though uh, is from at Valley Shook. Uh, old old time like uh blogger guy fellowship said uh he browsed him. Miles Brennan might be the most LSU quarterback of all time and that a fishing accident derailed his LSU career, which is yeah. factual. He was he was slated to be the starter and obviously he got hurt in 2020, yeah. played like, really well. He like, played great against Mizzou, played really well against um, uh, Mississippi State, like you said, but just tragic, like you said, because you just never know without that specific, you know, he had all kinds of other stuff going on, but he was so in line to be the starter and then it just didn't work out. Do you think I can get anything from my Miles Brennan stock? Like anything? Uh, let's see. Do you think Smoothie King will accept it as a coupon? Uh, they, they, they're big on the buy one, get ones. I think yeah, I you might it. want to call them today. It really yeah. just, <laughs> I'll, I'll make the pitch to, to miles, but like, Hey man, I bought a lot of stock a while ago. Really <laughs> looking to just get anything back for it. If you could help me out, that'd be great. Really turn it into some game coin, whatever that is. Some type of crypto that he's sponsored by. Yeah, sure. Whatever. That's better than $0, which is probably what I'll get for it. Okay. Figuring it out. We're talking your Saturday setup. I, I get asked this question a decent amount of times. Like, you probably have eight TVs, right? <laughs> I actually don't. And we only use one TV in our household. We have two literally sitting in the closet right here that are just collecting dust because we only watch TV in one room. We're, we're going to get a new TV in the very near future, but I usually post up in the living room on Saturdays. Uh, get to the part where get to the part of the couch where I can kind of kick my feet up. We have like one of these, it's a pullout couch, but it's just more couch. So it's not mm -hmm. like a pullout couch that has a bed. It's just a pullout couch with more couch, um, which I'm pretty sure is an idea that I made up when I was in like third grade and somebody else was able to execute that before I did. So tip of the cap to them. <laughs> um, but I love our couch main game on the TV and then another game or two on the laptop, depending on what time of day it is for what I have to do writing columns off of games live or being able to take notes for the podcast, I've found that I need to be able to focus on a game with volume up. 
I need that sound on. If I had four or five screens going on, I'm not processing really what's going on during a game. When we were at SEC Network Studios, we saw that they have like they have this nine screen. I think it's like nine screen setup so that they can actually watch games when they're sitting behind the desks there, the anchor desk, and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Chizik walked in that day around like one o'clock or so because he's he does uh, halftime in the first late. That's when he's got to be in by, and uh, he goes Furman ETSU. And he says that to, to our guy, Peter Burns, to make sure that PB had that game on one of the monitors, which of course he did because Chiswick's son, Callie, played on Furman at the time. And mm-hmm. that day was a blast. And it, maybe, maybe it's because I'm, I don't know, like I'm, I'm just not used to it. But watching all those screens, I felt like I could barely process anything that was happening on the field. Mm-hmm. It, I, I, I'm, I, maybe I'm just not wired that way. Um, I don't know. And, and I think some assume that I just kind of set up shop in a sports bar every Saturday and watch games, which I wouldn't hate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that's just for the noon slate or something like that, like last year, what we did when you, when you were down in Orlando, we watched, yeah. we watched the noon slate. That's a little bit different for me, but I love having my main games on, on a, on a TV that I can actually focus on that. I can hear what's going on. Halftime of one game, boom, I pop over to another. I'm probably going to miss some of the blowout games, if mm-hmm. something noteworthy happens in that game, though, I'll see it on Twitter, which I have open all day as well. You can watch the highlights on SEC Network. So even though I could theoretically set up an additional TV or two in my living room every Saturday, I'm like, yeah, seven seasons of doing this. This is how I feel most productive amidst the chaos of a fall Saturday, which, boy, they are chaotic. They absolutely are. And I can't I cannot wait for the first fall Saturday. And I realize that's kind of a lame answer. I know the, the majority of the answers that we're going to get are probably people, people who have better setups to watch games than I do. And that's okay. Everybody's got to mm-hmm. do what works for them. Well, what's your setup? So the other day, Brittany told me, so we have two TVs now that are hung downstairs. You saw my setup when you were here. Yeah. And the other day, Brittany was like, hey, you know how we have two TVs? And I was like, yeah. She goes, it's a little bit asymmetric, don't you think? And I was like, yeah. She's like... I think we should get a better one. I was like, you're speaking my language. I there love you. Uh, so I think by the time it rolls around, which I, you know, we're what, 20 days away or something like that. I need to get on that pretty quick here. But point being, um, I'm going to have a third one to where it's like my main one in the middle of the room that's hung. And then I'll have one on kind of either flank of it, which is very nice because the thing is, I don't have to be dialed in the games the way that you do. I just can kind of just, I have ADHD, as you know, <laughs> as you, any of you <laughs> listening to this, yeah. as anyone who's ever listened to this podcast knows, I am just going to find the most random thing to distract me. But I, I having three is very nice because I can kind of check in, but I'm not, yep. I don't have to be locked into one. So it's like, especially if it's a game, it's like usually if a team gets up more than one score, like even if it's like 10, I'm just like, all right, like I'll start kind of watching one of these side TVs or whatever. Then you can kind of see if the main team comes back or whatever. You start to see that. So yeah, that, that that's my main thing. And then obviously all the streaming services are one of the few things that they've done right. ESPN streaming is awesome. It is. I personally, not to get into all that, but I, I hope that yeah, the SEC is able to keep its ESPN deal as long as possible because that is one of the few streaming services that at this point works so um, it works for us yes big 10 you just never know what it's going to be like <laughs> not having that espn that espn deal what your streaming possibilities are going to be um yeah i i find that when i have just the one game in front of me and maybe maybe a couple around i i divert my attention too much and mm-hmm. I, I I don't know why. Even I remember being at, at Marlers when we were at Marlers for 2019 opening weekend because it was yep. Marler and I were at the the Bama Duke game and then we watched the night games. We we're watching Bo uh, Nix, man. Yeah, it was Bo Nix. Ironically enough, against Oregon. 
Yep. In that season opener. Um, and having like having multiple screens going on, I always, am, am, I feel like I have ADHD or something like that while I'm <laughs> watching these games. And I, I don't typically operate like that, but if you can do it more power to you, I'm just not one of those people who really can function uh, in the way that I feel like I need to on a fall Saturday. And look, if I end up watching, like if I had six, seven games going on at once, and then mm-hmm. I thought about the amount of games that I watch, which I watch a lot because, you know, you go in and out of some of these. But if I thought of all the games that I had on my TV at one point throughout a fall Saturday and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what just, what just happened? Mm-hmm. I, I would struggle with that. So we used to have kind of something like that at our old SDS offices, but it was a little bit different because you had the distance between each TVs. And so I could focus on one that was just right in front. Okay, mm-hmm. let's go to the Facebook group. A lot of great responses. Thank you to everybody. Saturday Down South Podcast Facebook group. Um, I asked the questions, how many TVs? How big is too big? Do you have a space design for football watching, recliner chair or couch? I'm pro couch. Do you prefer your in-home setup or being at a game? Which is becoming a very interesting question as we get mm-hmm. into the rights era and as programs across college football are trying to figure out ways to keep fans in attendance Mississippi State having coolers underneath those those new seats. Good way to do it. Refrigerators. Refrigerators. Oh, yeah. Refrigerators. <laughs> I just want you to understand how much more insane that is. Bringing yes. a cooler is a very normal, well-adjusted thing to do. Having a refrigerator. <laughs> it's essentially going to do the same thing as a cooler. <laughs> I'm just saying. It was like, bring your own refrigerator. I was like, you have my attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to this one from uh, Caleb Tillman. Caleb says, my personal favorite setup is the local sports bar. Just for the nice in-between of watching the game with fellow fans without having to leave your hometown. Plus, I don't have to put any effort into watching other games during the commercial breaks and making sure I flip back on time. It is a tough challenge to flip back in time mm-hmm. to do the, if you, I call it by flipping when I've got two games going on the main TV. And then I, uh, when I've got two games that are, that are streaming or something like that. And I really don't like to flip the channel on the, on the main game that much for that exact reason. Cause I'm mm-hmm. always going to miss something. And I never want to, I never want to miss something. Cause that's always when the nine, the 95 yard touchdowns come. That's, that's the underrated or the, like an underrated stressful job is being the dude who's in charge of the remote whenever everybody's over. And it's just like, oh, yeah, we just missed a 95-yard touchdown because we were on the B game here. Like, what are you doing, bro? It's like, what am I supposed to do? Like, come on, man. Have all have everything recorded. That way you can rewind. You figure this out. YouTube TV's got that set up pretty well, right? You just mm-hmm. rewind live TV, no issue whatsoever, record all the games. My brother does that very frequently, and it's helpful if you miss something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew Page says... In honor of watching SEC football on Pac-12 country, my new setup is a computer monitor on the kitchen table in our RV. That's a very unique way to go about it because Drew is also living a very unique life right now. Yes. <laughs> very unique. So he's like traveling across the country with with his with his family, right? Right now. Yes. And, and so many cats. Yes. With a lot of cats <laughs> in a trailer and not necessarily privy to the same sort of regular accommodations that a lot of us are used to. So the fact that he's willing to to make sure that he has that setup figured out in an RV, that's fandom. That's dedication right there. Yeah, he's he's committed to it. Yeah. You're up, they're up in like you said, Washington State or whatever. So they're they're just kind of, you know, they're they're camped out there for a minute. But yeah, that that's been fascinating. Just kind of talking to him about that and like how it because there are plenty of people that do it. They're just like cause they're like travel like they're in the medical field. And so just plenty of people move around America and just go where they're needed and they, you know, it's a, it's a cool, cool life to live. 
Ross Elkin says, big screen TV, laptop, cell phone, iPad, recliner for me so that dad nap can hit quick. Uh, oh, no yeah. Have to. No better feeling than being at the game and tailgating. I uh, I always search for that that right time. If I, if I need to sneak in 10 minutes, I usually don't. Very rarely has this happened where I have felt I need to be able to get 10 minutes to, to close my eyes right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there is an ideal window with the way that the current college football calendar sets up. Mm-hmm. I have only taken a nap probably cupcake week, cake week. I mean, my bad. Right. Cake week, second half of the morning of the noon slate is probably the only time that's happened. Different spot for Ross. Team's not playing, something like that. Mm. Middle, middle of the second quarter, sneak in that nap. No problem with that whatsoever. But the problem is that we're getting, there's so much more emphasis now than there was 10 years ago on making sure the entire day has watchable games. Mm-hmm. And so I always tell myself, even if it's not an important SEC game, oh, I'm going to flip on, you know, Oklahoma TCU is on FS1 or something like that. I'm mm-hmm. Like, oh, I want to be able to watch this quarterback. I want to be able to see what this team's what this team is up to. I so there's there's always something for me to want to flip on, and I always put sleep on the back burner unless I'm really in rough shape and it's cake week. Yeah, the thing that, about Cake Week too is you just never know. I mean, it's just so hard to plan for it because every year without fail, there would be one or two teams last year's, I believe Mizzou and Mississippi State that were just like in dog fights randomly. And you were just like, sweet. Uh, yeah, I didn't know this was going to be part of my day, but here we all are. <laughs> it's tough. Find find the nap time if you can. If that's going to allow you to watch college football until two in the morning, nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's go to... Let's go to this one from Alex Mason. Alex says, big screen, two 32-inch screens, two laptops, one for live betting, and one, uh, and, and the second for going between less enticing games with gambling implications. At home is the only way to spend Saturdays. I bet a lot of people would agree with you that have had frustrating game day experiences. And look, being being a college football game is was absolutely great. I love being able to go to a handful of games every single year, not poo-pooing that whatsoever. But if you do have that ideal home setup and you're like, you know what? I live maybe two and a half hours away from the stadium. It's not exactly an easy drive to be able to make. Plus I'm sitting in traffic. I've got family to consider. I, I don't necessarily have a problem with the person that wants to, that wants to kick it at home. Mm-hmm. No problem with that. Um, Having said that, there's still something about a fall Saturday that's going to be that's going to be irreplaceable in this mm-hmm. modern era that we're getting into with all this change. That that's going to be the constant still, and I would still want to make my way at least once, probably once a year. I'd like to like not going to a game in 2020. It's brutal, right? Brutal, and it did feel like a piece of that year was just not sort of there. Mm-hmm. And maybe part of that too is because even as you're watching games at home and you're watching these games that have empty crowds, it didn't really hit in the same sort of way. Um, and that's that's different than what Alex is talking about. But being being there at least sort of once, I liked being able to do that to remind myself why this is so significant and why the magnitude kind of is what it is. Mm-hmm. Have you okay. gone a season? You because you, you've gone to a game, multiple games, at least every 
every non twenty twenty season, correct? So I didn't go last year. Um, so that's the thing. Yeah, I, we talked about it a little bit before, but I put it in my first LSU game, I want to say in like third or fourth grade. I haven't missed a season. You know, I was in Orlando for college. I moved to Birmingham, Hoover, um, and I would always get back for at least a game or two. And just the last two years, like it was just wasn't worth dealing with it. I knew LSU was going to be sorry, like after pretty much mm. week one of both seasons. Because I wasn't going to go to Pasadena, you know what I'm saying? So once I saw how horrible that team was, I was like, I'm not going to like deal with COVID, deal with all this crap of flying. So I just didn't go in 2020, 2021. Then 2020 was so hard too. So it's going to be my first time back. I'm really excited. And I've also, yeah, it, it, I've done like a pretty good job, like picking the games to go to though. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause you, you were, you were at a UCF game to open the year last year. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I did go to a game last year. It was on like a Thursday and it was like chaos. So I didn't count that because it wasn't an LSU game, but you're right. I did go to a game last year. Fair, fair. Uh, let's go to this one from Laura Doyle. Laura says, in person or at home for USC, can't watch at a bar. I was the um, I was a founding, founding member at the time of the Portland Gamecock Club and the Oklahoma City Gamecock Club. And it was great because we only had a few people, not big hubs. So we would watch uh, at someone's house or sometimes at a quiet bar. When I lived in LA, we had a huge club and I couldn't deal. And I definitely don't go to uh, the watches here in DC for the same reason. I need to be there or be focused. Also crying in public isn't the best. <laughs> she adds, otherwise I just have a TV uh, in my living room and one in the bedroom. I stream. So there's no easy flipping back and forth. It's actually a really smart idea. I like that. Uh, we're on the Carolina game, but we'll uh, keep something else on the bedroom TV and check in there during commercials, et cetera. Most importantly, phone off or on airplane mode. Interesting. Sure. I am not responding to non-SEC friends, te- non-SEC friends texting me about how great we are playing if we're up seven against Kentucky or <laughs> something. And then, <laughs> you know, uh, WTF, what, ha- what happens next? I wish I could do that. I'm so jealous hearing that. Just turn the phone off. Just just don't let any distractions come in. Be entirely locked into what's going on and be able to watch your team play from start to finish because you get 12 of them a year. And if you're good enough, you get 13, maybe even 15. <clears throat> Man, because sometimes you get those distractions where people just want to talk about everything. And look, I, yep. I have friends listening to this yourself included, who will text me on a fall Saturday asking me if I saw something, blah, blah, blah. And I love those conversations and they're great to have. And sometimes I'll miss something and it's mm-hmm. great to be able to talk to people. And then other times I'll, I'll get the person who's just feeling good after a win and just wants to go and go and yeah, go. And I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah. let's, I got a million other things I'm going to be watching right now. <laughs> That's also good. Deal with this. That's all right. You know what? After the, after the year, the two years that you've had, you deserve to go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You don't Catch me after those Florida games. I'll be talking ignorant. <laughs> Somewhere after after the throne shoe in twenty twenty, the text that I got after that game. If you if you're a dude like me and you watch your team win on a literal meme, you're just like this can't be real. Um, to, to Laura's point, okay, we won't I won't get too far down this rabbit hole. But have you ever been to a game that broke your heart to the point of crying in person? In person, um. You know what? No, not. I'm going to say no. As Bears playoff game, Steve Smith had like 200 receiving yards. It was like divisional round or something like that. That would have been 2004, 2005, one of those two years. I can't remember Mm -hmm. when that was. That's the only time where I've ever felt truly devastated leaving a game 
and being like, I'm, I'm kind of on the brink of tears, but nothing else has really quite compared to that because, Oh, there's the other time that I left the Cubs game early that my buddy, my buddy insisted on leaving. And then Chris Bryant hit a two run walk off home run. Mm-hmm. And that was the last time I've been at Wrigley field. And that was a different kind of emotion, but that that's the only other time that I felt like, okay, I could cry. Yeah. I think that's, I haven't, I don't think I've ever actually technically cried. I, I got really emotional in 2019 because I went to a game with Brittany at Tiger Stadium and it was super duper cool. And like I saw the walkout and I was like, wow, like this is the best best thing in the world. And then with my mom, obviously the championship game happened. I just got to give her a big hug. And I was like, this is great. But it wasn't like a sad crying. I, I, I The best I've ever done, I didn't like ball either. It was just a little, little one little manly tear. But the, the, the one that was bad, I've been to a couple of Saints playoff games that you know all those in. Uh, but I remember, this is a funny memory I don't think I've talked about. I went to the 20 2011 national championship with my stepdad who's a bama fan i wasn't even sad during that game i realized how horrible we were and pretty much made peace with it but there was a moment i was just so sad i was sitting there because that was an undefeated season at that point you go from being one of like the pantheon sd teams of all time to just being a joke and i remember looking at my stepdad and just being like sitting on the dock of the bay <laughs> and he looked back at me and goes watching the tide roll away and like, we couldn't stop laughing i was like at least at least we have this at least we could but yeah that's it's tough when you're in public and your team is just getting skunks Oh gosh. Yeah. That, that feeling you, you need to be at home. You need, mm-hmm. you need to just be in your home at home setup, not necessarily breaking a TV, not necessarily doing that. We don't need to go to those links. You don't need to be getting to that level of heated, but mm-hmm. certain moments just are very tough to hold yourself back. I totally get that. Let's do two more here. Uh, Cameron Jalufka says currently in the middle of a moving nightmare where me and my beloved TVs are in a storage unit far away from my unfinished house. But the setup is getting a workout and chores in before my wife wakes up and having three TVs set up with the best games of the day. Inevitably, someone has a birthday or makes plans and I have to leave paradise. But that is just an unfortunate part of fall. Smoked meats on the new offset coming soon to a game day near you. Smoked meats sound great right now. I'm really hungry. That's I started great. to say post your meats, but that could be interpreted wrong. But if you have a good grill that you're doing, if you have a nice little like couple things you're preparing, go ahead and put that in the Facebook group. It's, it's going to be. I want to see people's grill setups too. That's a different conversation. That's that's the other thing about the 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 in home setup. Being able to have mm-hmm. your own smoker, your own grill, whatever you want, just just ready to go. You can prep it. If you got people over, that's a little bit of a tougher situation to manage, but. Being able to kind of cook your own food, eat it whenever you want, ideal if you can do it. Uh, let's do this one to close from Joshua Morris. Joshua says, two TVs, one for noon to 9 p.m. Anytime after is a Pac-12 game, and uh, that's on until I fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Every room is a football room. Only been to a handful of games, but can't beat a home-cooked meal watching football. I will say, I will say Neyland is a must-go-to anytime, in my opinion. It's. I think so much of it too now depends on how far away you live from the stadium. If you if you're within an hour, you probably have an entirely different perspective of the game day, what's natural for you, than you do a person who is going to spend four hours in the car. Mm-hmm. Because you add that time up in your head, and if you do have interest in other games that are going on, which some people do, some people don't, that's totally fine. I think you start to realize, oh man, I could be enjoying Saturday in a different kind of way. Again, if you're if it, if it's something that you've grown up with and being in 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 a game 
being at a, a an actual stadium and being able to experience that not going to be replaced but sometimes you add up that time and you realize you know what having a home cooked meal enjoying a relaxing saturday maybe having some friends over maybe a better way to do it mm-hmm. all kinds of kinds it takes to be able to get through a college football season i, just I shouldn't say i shouldn't say get through by the way that was a mistake get through is the wrong way to phrase that enjoy to it. enjoy appreciate a yeah season. yes I just want to say as a note, I'm about 6'2", about 260. Brother, I don't think I fit in the <laughs> based on Based on the conversations I've heard about those seats getting cut in half and everything, if I have two people on top of me and dealing, I'm having a bad time. But if you have some seats that you would recommend to me at dealing, I will go to dealing yes. because I've heard great things about the atmosphere. They talked about that at Camp Randall a little while back too. They narrowed the seats and I'm like, mm-hmm. in Wisconsin? Why would you do that? <laughs> Terrible idea. Make it just bigger. like me for real. Remember our conversation about Wisconsinites being Northern Cajuns and that fully oh, yeah. explained because you can't fit in those seats, buddy. <laughs> yes, it is the South of the North. Mm-hmm. Actually correct. Uh, we have so much great top 25 content on SaturdayDownSouth.com from last week. It is crystal ball week on SDS. We will do our West crystal ball later in the week. I promise. If you have not, leave us a five-star review. Again, we don't load you with ads. So if you do that for us, that would be greatly, greatly appreciated. That's your good deed for the day. Join the Facebook group. Hear your name, Red on Air with Figuring Out or Bold and Brash. Thanks, guys. Talk soon.